used to be a mad soldier, but I didn't respect orders. I had to step forward, tell them this ain't for Gundam. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome to 2011. And so begins the first episode for Gundam of the new year. This is episode 69. Insert jokes there. Ha, ha, ha. We're 12 years old again. Woo! But um, uh, as always, I'm joined here with uh, Chris and Solbro. Uh, guys, say hello to all the people out there. Yo. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the new year. The new year that will only it'll be the old year by in two weeks. There you go. There you go. That's the that's that's the spirit. It's only the first week that you keep writing out your checks and stuff with 2010, right? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, in, in this uh, power-packed episode for the debut of the 2011, um, we're gonna have two topics, and the first one's gonna be a great one because it deals with the uh, the new Iron Man anime, and it's some of our thoughts and uh, hatred of the new Iron Man anime that uh, debuted in Japan and will come to G4 or Spike Jr. or Spike in the uh, coming year or so here in America. So um, definitely check that out. And uh, last topic is going to be a uh, listener-submitted topic. And who is that from again, Chris? Uh, I don't have it in front of me now. Oh. Okay. Well, it, it says it during... We'll, we'll, say, we'll say it during the, uh, the actual segment, but uh, it's dealing with silly and complicated super weapons and not just anime, but some other shows and movies that we uh, we all know about. You know, the biggest one being Requiem. <laughs> but um, before we suck it, chat man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Defender of Destiny. <laughs> but uh, before that, we have some news and uh, kind of light on the news front. There wasn't too much going on during the holidays, so. Um, but uh, got some pretty cool, cool things here being submitted on the Neo's Listener Submitted News article thread on the MechaTalk uh, forum. Um, and the first one here is from Nasty Nate. And uh, the, he's just talking about, in, in this courtesy of Anime News Network, that, and this is just in Japan now, but 59,000 copies of the Blu-ray of uh, Gundam, the Gundam 00 movie, Awakening of the Trailblazer, uh, made it the number one Blu-ray uh, sales thing during December 20th through the 26th. Wow. So um, it's doing really well. Uh, it would be nice if we could get that movie over here in that format. Wouldn't mind doing that. Hint, 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 Bandai. You know, we always do all this stuff for you. Just saying. But uh, thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, for your submission there. And if anybody hasn't seen the Gundam 00 movie, I'd encourage you to do it. And I know in a future episode we'll be discussing it. So, um any thoughts, guys, on that? I always remember, 59,000 does sound like a lot, but Japan's like a little less than the size population of Florida, I think. So not too many people there. So that's a big deal. No, so That's awesome news. I'm, I'm glad to see it did so well, especially during the holidays. Well, are, would, you, would you think a Gundam wouldn't do well in Japan? No, no. I mean, so <laughs> Surprising. Gundam didn't do well Oh, my God. Japan. I expected it to just tank. <laughs> Number 25. No, that's, that's, that's excellent news, and I, I hope that... Uh, 
I, I hope it'd be somewhat successful around the rest of the world when it finally debuts on uh, whatever format it chooses to. Like I said, so. if you're doing if you're doing worldwide release on Blu-ray for Unicorn, please do it for the movie. Yeah, at least. I don't see why you can't do it, and maybe reformat the uh, series. That'd be nice too. Thank you, um, Chris. Anything on that? No. Okay. All right. Attention, and this comes from the legal department, actually the political department of the news here, what? and this is uh, all pedos. <laughs> it, it's happened. Your worst nightmare has happened. This is almost like internet caps that for uh, Solbro oh. when those come. But uh, the uh, Tokyo Metropolitan Assembly, had a, uh, it, they approved a bill, a government bill called the Youth Healthy Development Ordinance. And it, the current ordinance as it prevents the sale and renting of harmful publications, materials that are sexually stimulating, encourages cruelty, and or may compel suicide or criminal behavior to those under the age of 18. Jeez. And of course, this is off the Anime News Network, and it was submitted by who else but Pedo Bear North. <laughs> <laughs> so, no comment. <laughs> Um, this, uh, it's called Bill 156, and it requires the industry to regulate manga, anime, and other images, except for real-life pornography, that unjustifiably glorify or exaggerate certain sexual or pseudo-sexual acts. Another section of the revised bill will allow the government to directly regulate the above images if depicted acts are also considered to be excessively disrupting a social order, such as rape. The Assembly approved the non-binding supplemental re resolution urging newly dis designated harmful publications to be carefully regulated with the works merits based on artistic, social, and other criteria to be taken in account for in the evaluation process. The voluntary social so self-regulation clauses will go in effect April 1st, which is kind of funny, and the restrictions <laughs> on sales and renting will go on in July 1. So uh, live it up, pedos. Uh, the clock is ticking. And thank you, Pedo Bear North, for your submission. I know, I know you're feverishly using your uh, student grant money to uh, buy some anime, I, I would imagine. <laughs> oh, Peter. Um, <laughs> Chris Solbro, any, any comments on that news article? Or, um, well, you know, as, as is always the case, anime fans are freaking out about it. And um, I would say, why even bother? Because this is a Japanese law, specifically just Tokyo. So there's nothing you can do about it. There's no one you can complain to. They don't yeah. care about what Japanese people have to say, let alone um, dirty gaijin. Yeah, you're not in their district. Yeah. <laughs> so what concerns me is not, not so much the, um, the application of this because, you know, the industry is pretty powerful. And um, this is, just seems like political showmanship mm -hmm. of, you know, we have this a lot in America of politicians. They do something like passing a law about... Um, you know, regulating violent video games, which they know is going to get struck down in, in court, and it does. Right. But at least they, they pass it, knowing it's going to fail, but then they try and say to the constituents, look, I'm fighting for you, I'm keeping you and your family safe from all of these filthy video games, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's showmanship of the worst variety that happens all the time because they know it's going to fail in court, and they know it's going to cost the state money fighting it in court. Yep. And then lose, and in some cases, you know, have to pay the legal fees of, say, like, you know, the video game industry All right. yeah. for them having to fight it in court. So this is the same sort of thing. 
you know, you have uh, this governor of Tokyo who, from what I understand, seems to have like very extremist moral attitudes, and uh, His this name is, is just Peruto. <laughs> this this is just trying to uh, again legislate morality, which in any country never works. You can't legislate morality. But what interests me is from the legal perspective of you know that all sounds so vague, like harmful images and uh, you know disrupts social order. Who determines this, and what criteria do they use? Because it sounds to me like it'll probably be pretty arbitrary. Yeah. You know, here in America, um, things that are considered obscene are illegal. And you may ask yourself, uh, what, what's obscene and who determines that? Well, at least here we have the Supreme Court came up with a very well-known concept called the Miller Test, which came from a case called Miller versus California. And um, if you have, like, any exposure to, you know, law or you know, law school or anything, or even journalism, you hear about the Miller test. Uh, it refers to, you know, if you apply contemporary community standards, would you find it offensive? Is it patently offensive? Does it lack any serious uh, scientific, artistic, political, or literary value? Right. And if it meets those qualifications, then it counts as obscene. But at least you have some guidance on what it is you're supposed to be looking for. I get the impression that with this Tokyo thing, it'll probably just be a bunch of stuffy old men arbitrarily deciding what they think is offensive and what isn't. So I don't expect it to go anywhere. There's probably going to be a lot of industry uh, protesting against this once it actually goes into effect. Mm -hmm. And it could just be that uh, they'll try to seriously enforce it just for show at the very beginning and then just let it quietly go away. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fine. So, but... um well, thank you, Mr. Destiny Gundam, for that. And thank you, Chris, for your, the, the, the legal aspect of this. There you go. Uh, next next uh, article here is from uh, Bent Noir, and uh, this is just kind of an update. There's a new Super Robot Wars game coming out for the PSP. Another it's one. called Super Robot Wars Z2. <laughs> and um, some of the new series that are going to be in it is uh, Armor Trooper Votomes. Um, Armor Trooper Votomes, The Last Red Shoulder, Red Shoulder Document, Roots of Treachery, mm-hmm. Tales and Files, First Season of Mobile Suit Gundam 00, uh, Shin Mazinger Shokin Z-Hen, Joko uh, Boy Kyo Daigar, Kyo, uh, Code Geass, Lucia the Rebellion. What? Uh, Tango Topin, Gurren Lagan, Tango nice. Topin, Gurren Lagan, Gurren Hen, mm-hmm. Macross Frontier. Uh, this is the movie version, Macross Frontier. And uh, Eureka 7, Good Night, Sleep Tight, Young Lovers. <laughs> <laughs> so, Screw that movie. I'll say that right and now. Uh, some of the returning series are going to be Zambot 3, Die Trend 3, um, <clears throat> God Sigma, Rokushin, Gakai, God Mars, uh, Orgus. Zeta Gundam, Shars Counterattack, Wing X, Turn A, Destiny, Dan Cougar, Dan Cougar Nova, Getter Robo, The Big O, Overman King Gainer, Gravion's mm-hmm. wow. Way, uh, Aquarion, Garbage, and uh, Macross Frontier. So uh, anyone that's got a PSP, you might definitely want to pick that I up. Do. I don't have any uh, information on release, but uh, I'm sure it will be... Um, We'll get that to you when it comes up. Man, that is Diegard being in there, and that's a that's a that's a big shock. That's that's I, I figured that would have been uh one that one series that gets slept on, but that, that's cool that they're in there, man. That's that's really awesome. And and Code Geass, that's the, this I guess this is Code Geass's first entry into the 
Super Robot Wars uh, Arena, huh? Yeah, Lelouch of the Rebellion, so that's first season. Man. So um, It didn't say R2, so I would imagine it's just going to be the first series. Well, they're saving season. R2 for the next one. So, um, yeah, you gotta got to keep people wanting to come back. Oh, yeah, Can't man. put everything in there. Super Robot Wars is the Madden of Japan, man. Can, uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission there. <clears throat> and this uh, other um, uh, article here, this is uh, for... All those people with nostalgia glasses, and this mm-hmm. is from Mula Flaga, and uh, the original Power Rangers episodes Uh-oh. are being streamed all three seasons, 145 episodes, one day at a time. Unfortunately, it started around September 8th, so this is a little late, but uh, so you're probably halfway through season two now. There you go. But if you go to PowerRangers.com, you're able to uh, watch all that. So, um, uh, you know, that's always something good there. You want a little nostalgia, and I, to me... The original, the other Power Rangers shows that came after Mighty Morphins, mm-hmm. they didn't have the soul. Oh. Or they didn't, you know, they didn't have, uh, they were just, those other ones were just there to sell toys. Not like the original one that had a Man. great story that I went by, so. I wonder if uh, Johnny Young Bosch and them get residuals from those shows. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's early in their career when they probably oh, signed their life away. Damn. Just to get on TV. But, um. <laughs> And this last one, this is actually brand new news that came in while we were recording. And this is from TV. Ooh. And uh, there's going to be a new Pat Labor-related book by Mamara Oshi. And uh, this is coming from the Anime News Network. And um, Katakawa Hoken Corporation lists a new book called... I'm not even going to try this. It's Please don't. Please. <laughs> you don't. The, the, the my, Ameri- ears, my ears can't take it after the way you just butchered all those names for, for Super Robot Wars. Shocking, Just do me a favor and shocking don't. upset Mo- Metropolitan Police Special Vehicle Section Two, and uh, it's uh, it's from uh, acclaimed director Mamari Oshi, and the release date is January thirty-one. So uh, definitely check that out. That's going to be some good stuff there, and um, you know, hopefully uh, one of these days on Gundam, we should probably talk about Pat Labor. It's kind of criminal we haven't, but I'm sure sometime in the future we will. One of these years. One of these years. <laughs> so. Uh, Stay tuned. That's uh, that's it for the news. And like I always say, thank you for all the people that have submitted. And if you have any news articles that you you pre- know pretty much what we talk about here, so uh, just go to the Neo's listener submitted news articles thread on the Mecha Talk forum in the Gundam section. So um, that's it for the news. And uh, I know Chris uh, has got a Straight Talk Express and some mailbag stuff. But before that, um, this is going to be a Gundam apology that I'm going to give. Uh, to the world, um, I'd like to, as an American, I'd like to, for, I'd like to say sorry to um, the world and especially the UK for the American version of Top Gear. Um, it's, uh, you know, sometimes when we steal your shows, they work out pretty well, like The Office and various other things. But um, I'm sorry that we uh, took three guys that have no chemistry together and then tr- tried to redo the shows that were already done in the UK that everybody in America has already seen because that's why everybody likes Top Gear in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry for that. Um, my, my thing to um, history is uh, I, I think you need to relook at some of the, the, ga- the hosts. I think I should be on there. And um, you got you got to redo the direction of some of the people you have coming in there because uh, I would probably have as my first guest uh, Michael Bay. So we could blow up stuff. And blowing up cars is always good. Nice. But um, as a as a blue blooded American, I'd still like to say to the world, <laughs> I'm sorry. And uh, 
you know, please don't hold it against us. Well, send in your audition tape, man. I will. <laughs> but um, you now, know what? The first season of Top Gear wasn't perfect too. They got rid of the fat guy. Remember it's got that? nothing to do with that. When you're when you're doing the same old things mm-hmm. that I've already seen the guys from Top Gear do, I I've already seen what is faster: the car, the boat, or the plane. I've seen this already. I'm sorry. And uh, I've already so, seen them all try to sell used cars and. And and man and them tried to take used cars to an obstacle course and well the thing is it's it's the reason why the show came over and they made an adaption of it is because everybody in America is watching the British version yeah so if everybody's seen the British version why am I going to see them a bunch of American guys do the same thing that the Brits <laughs> makes no sense <laughs> makes absolutely no sense in today's it, environment it's retreading uh it's retreading ground we've already been to and yeah I I think they're working on the chemistry but uh. I there's no know. chemistry between those guys. Really? I, I don't think there's anything it's, wrong with those guys. Yeah. There's just nothing there. It there's feels a bit chemistry. too scripted. And I, I know that Top Gear also follows the script, but they're, they have, they have Ryu, such an awesome... Sober Ryu, the American Top Gear apologist. No, I'm not. But <laughs> I don't want to apologize for <laughs> I can't. I can never. I can. He can never say an ill will about anything. I think it's got room to it's grow. Good. It's good. It's good. It, it's just got it needs an overhaul. Hey, you know what? The first season of The Office was a retread of the original BBC series. It wasn't until season two of that show where it actually grew out of its uh, out of its confines of the original BBC version and became the show that it is. It's and, different though because the yeah. reason why this came over was because people were watching it over here. It's yeah, a little bit different. They've done this a lot with shows. We've we stole a lot of Britain's ideas, oh, yeah. but it's a little bit different Ooh. on this aspect. All in the family. Was that's it. it. All in the family and uh, Sanford and Son. Both imports of our English shows. I mean, so it's been happening for a long, long time. But it's a little bit different this time because of how we're able to see things. But um, mm-hmm. so once again, I apologize, world and the UK. Uh, it's a good thing we still have the best military, so you guys wouldn't attack us for this. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't fault you if you did. We probably deserve it. So, uh, Chris, uh, I think you have some straight talk expressing to do. Yes, I do. And it regards a uh, topic that we've covered before, nostalgia. Yeah, I had that nostalgia article in the news so this ties out well yeah so uh last month there was a lot of bashing about the release of tron legacy mm-hmm. and pretty universal across most uh, you know critical outlets in the media and from lots of fans and i see a variety of complaints that uh it's technically impressive but that it has no heart and soul like the original mm-hmm. and um heart and soul whenever i see that this become one of like my keywords of indicator of nostalgia glasses yes. it's like slippery slope when you're watching like uh the news and you hear somebody say slippery slope you're like uh oh here comes the bs <laughs> yeah so uh you know i hear these complaints and the funny thing is you know um one of the most common ones was that, that, yeah, it looks great, and the animation's great, and the soundtrack's, the computer animation's great, the soundtrack's great, but uh, it has no heart, it has no soul, it's soulless, mm-hmm. like the, unlike the original. And then if you read um, some of the comments from critics about the original movie, they say that it's technically impressive, but it has no soul. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, a lot of the comments, a lot of the criticisms about Legacy are almost word-for-word criticisms of the original. Which is now being considered a classic. Yeah, go figure. (laughs) But I got to thinking, you know, when I heard all these complaints of it has no heart and soul, I think that was um, one of the quotes used by uh, io9. And um, after thinking, boy, this sounds a lot like these hardcore, like like Transformers G1ers. 
yeah. you know these people who um, are stuck in 1984 and just cannot move beyond that and think that 1984 is the most awesome thing ever and we should never go beyond that and, li- and live by the Transformers Bible yes and the perfect example of that is if um, if you want to feel some pain mm-hmm. and you want to watch something that's that's painful and amusing but more painful than amusing right. go to YouTube and type in Transformers Prime garbage right and you'll know that you've hit the right video because you'll see this like fat old loser sitting on his bed screaming incoherently into a microphone about how horrible Transformers Prime is even though he hasn't seen it mm-hmm. and no 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 he saw the behind the, tra- the scenes the behind the scenes trailer that was like a minute and a half long so that yes. qualifies the whole opinion of something yeah. so and that, any- that, that- that actually qualifies as watching the actual first episode. Yeah, that's that. And, no, that's watching the whole thing and, and yeah. reviewing the episode as a, as anybody else would do. Yeah, and and he waves around a um, printout of the writer's bible as oh, evidence of, of how the original had heart and soul. <laughs> right. And he talks about how um, all of the other shows since the original have sucked, and that um, these days it's just about selling toys. To which I say to you, <laughs> what, sir? What did you think it was about in 1984? Oh, my God. It was all about selling toys. You know, when they made the original movie in 86, mm-hmm. it was not about this dramatic story about the death of Optimus and the leader rising. No, it was, let's get rid of all of these toys because we have a bunch of new ones we want to start introducing. But, yeah. but they'll still be the same person, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> they'll be updated. Yeah, so that was just, that was just you know, the, the side effect that... Uh, the death of Optimus Prime uh, traumatized an entire generation of like little kids, mm-hmm. which they then uh, changed around in, in G.I. Joe so that uh, that movie didn't have a death. Right. But um, the original Transformers is not the classic that everyone thinks it is. Yeah. Sure, you know, it was entertaining, but the writing could be really god-awful at some points. And I challenge anyone to go back, watch the original series without nostalgia glasses, and yeah. tell me that the writing in the original series is better than Beast Wars, Animated, or Prime. And I can already say that you can't because there's no comparison. The really original is- series is some really bad writing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, you can see pretty much how low, how, um, how basic well, it really is. I mean, it, it, it's, it, the original G1 is now airing on the Hub Network just like Prime is. Yeah. And you can, you can sit down and compare the two because I believe they air within a relative amount of time of each other when they do come on. So you can, you can actually contrast and compare. I own the original series on DVD. I, I, own, I own the original Rhino releases. And I grew up with G1. I was eight years old when the show premiered. So he can't sit there and talk to me about G1 um, and, 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 and tell me I don't know Jack because I really haven't really watched too much, too much other Transformers besides G1 and, um, G two when it when it aired you know the third the uh, so quote unquote third season of Transformers G two is just G one with a fancy three D uh, transition effects so oh, it's... I'm sorry that that's the re release in the nineties that's right I'm I'm, yeah. think, I'm thinking of a Hot Rod and them the, the second the literal second generation stuff that's, that's still that's still G one moment that's still G one considerably one. but yeah uh, he's sitting there and he and he's and he's on his perch um ho- on more his perch. Than he's down. on his he's on his bed in what? his mom's house. <laughs> With his with the Scarface poster, in yeah, the back. with his Scarface dollar poster yep. and his receding hairline, mm-hmm. and I couldn't understand if the guy is sitting there stuttering and stammering. I couldn't understand if he's going, if he was a retard or going full retard or what the hell was going on. Well, sadly, I'll be honest with you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Here's here's G one Boondoggle playing a Megatron. We're gonna go do some stupid, ridiculous plan to steal Energon. 
Autobots. Let's save the day. Oh, one of these days I'll get you, Prime. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and uh, with a side note of Starscream tried to screw over Megatron by doing something stupid to there become leader. And then has to sniffle me like, oh, Megatron, <laughs> your wisdom is supreme. Yeah. I only live to serve you, Lord Megatron. And only if, to do if it that's again, heart and soul, the then I, I, I hate to see what you think is deep there, buddy, because it's like, even as a kid watching that, I'd sit there back sometimes and be like, yeah, you're a kid, you, you like stupid stuff, but even too, you'd sit there and watch it sometimes, you're like, boy, this was a really dumb episode. Dude, it's typical 80s cartoon fare. Yeah, and, it's Dirk Dastardly. And, you, just, and, uh, you search and replace Megatron with Dirk Dastardly, yeah. and it's the same thing. It's a wash, rinse, repeat situation, formulaic. And, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I, I love, you know, I, I put on the nostalgia glasses. I'm the guy on the show. Oh, no way. That you? I'm the guy on the show that gives these shows a pass because of the era that came out of. But I can still look back and see that, yeah, it was pretty basic back then of what they were trying to do. And it's pretty damn obvious they were trying yeah, to sell toys. toys. Even back then. Every cartoon, there were more cartoons in the 80s promoting toys and whatnot than there are nowadays. And the 80s was evident of that. And Transformers was probably the crown jewel of all those shows. How are you going to sit there and say that there was some kind of loftier goal <laughs> that these well, writers were trying in, to do? It, it's in the Transformers Bible. Yeah, I mean. And, and remember, you know, why would you have all these different incarnations? Well, that stuff's been going on for a long time there, buddy. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always. You're, you're 30 years too late to the party to be complaining about uh, reimaginings and stuff like that. It's like, uh, oh, and you know that um, Scarface poster that you have over there with mm -hmm. the Al Pacino? Yeah, that movie was done in the 50s. Or the, oh, no, 30s. 40, 30s. Yeah. Way before it. So, uh, yeah. that was a remake, and exactly. that's a little bit different than the actual original thing. So, so that's, like me say, that's like me saying, oh, you know, the new Scarface doesn't have the soul as the old one. Yeah. Well,. You're a dumbass. Exactly. It's like you can't. You and, and this is. Not, I say good day. This is not the first time that this guy has gone off about stuff like this. It will it's be not, the last. This, this is not. This is not my first running with with this guy. I, I refuse to say his Cause name. Because I, I, I challenge you this, uh -huh. fat douchebag, right. sitting on your um, on on your couch with your receding hairline. <laughs> I challenge you right. to come on this show. Mm -hmm. No, please him. don't, don't. No, no, no. You don't I, want no, that? And, and, and go ahead, go ahead, Paul. All right, you know what? Yeah. Give it. Give us a YouTube retort. Yeah. Because I want, I want what? to hear. See, that's the problem. I want to hear. I want to hear your thing because sitting in your mom's basement. Yeah. In your in your bat in your bedroom there. Right. Complaining, and if you got a if you got a thing of something, mm -hmm. then then uh, you know make it coherent, but just don't sit there and say heart and soul because you know yeah. what it's very cliche and it doesn't make any sense of what you're talking about because. It just you know. seems that heart and soul to him is what he grew up with and yeah. what he seems to value in what those shows, you know, were to him. So basically, quote unquote, nostalgia glasses, as, as, as Chris and you guys had mentioned. Um, I, can, I can tell you this much, and this is a, this is a quick story I'll tell you guys. Um, this is not the first time he's tried to start shit with other, other, other websites and other people and, and over, over things and over reviews that other people have stated. Um, there's a website that I go to often called Spill.com, and um, at the time when Watchmen was getting ready to come out, he was really parading the uh, the fact that Watchmen should never be adapted into a movie. And to some point, he was right. Um, it's a very hard thing to adapt into a film, but he was berating anybody to go see that, um, to anybody who had seen that movie, anybody who reviewed that movie favorably, all this stuff. And he just came off like a belligerent asshole. 
And um, one of the, 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 the guy that runs Spill.com, his name's Corey Coleman, um, he was intrigued because he had called out Spill specifically um, for many of the reviews, not only with The Watchmen, but with the Transformers movie, calling them an un-American website and, you know, their reviews suck and blah, blah, blah. And Corey was real cool because they have a, um, a convention every year called Spill.com. And they always try to get guests for it and whatnot. And Corey actually extended an invitation to this guy to come to the con, pay for his hotel stay, pay for his lot, you know, all that stuff, and take care of this guy just to participate in a, a live debate in front of a group of people about some of his opinions on things and actually have some kind of intelligent discourse. He turned it down. I don't even think he even responded to Corey's um invitation and I, I except for in a, in the YouTube video where he just you know continued to berate the site because with YouTube it's a one way um, one way of communicating there's you can you can you can respond back in the thread but if he disables the comments and no one can can respond and um, you know he can just get away with just talking nonsense and garbage and not get checked or at least you know you know, be seen for the fraud that he is, where he's just sitting down there. He's just sitting on YouTube trolling people and trolling things that people like. You know, it, it, there's, well, the, the fact that the fact of the matter comes down to if you're yeah. going to sit there and have an opinion on something, at right. least see the thing. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think this is probably part of what Chris is trying. The point he's trying to make with the mm -hmm. Straight Talk Express is, if you're going to sit here and you're going to sit, and especially with people like this, if you're going to sit here and make these grand statements about things yeah. outside of nostalgia glasses, at least give, at least watch the thing. I haven't seen the new Tron movie, mm -hmm. but I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the old one was just some, you know, amazing show. It was a very simple story. It was somewhat entertaining. It, yeah, okay. No, the, that movie was horrible. Oh, the, the bringing it, bringing it back to the, bringing it back to <laughs> Tron, which was, which we've yeah, got we were, sidetracked a little bit. Right. Uh, I've noticed that the. Not only with trauma, but with any nostalgia thing where you have something coming very long after its predecessor, that people misremember the original as being way better than it actually is, yeah. and create an impossible standard that they then criticize the sequel for failing to live up to. Mm -hmm. But you're criticizing it for not meeting an impossible standard that nothing could ever meet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You well, know, the original's an entertaining movie, in right. my opinion. It's not so a too. fantastic movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a movie that came out in the early 80s and used, you know, at the time, like, the, the mystique and the mystery of computers yep. as the setting for a very simple action story. Right. You know, you want to call it a classic? Sure. And, you know, at the very least, it was it's revolutionary at its yeah. time for the way it used computer graphics. Certainly. Um, but if we're talking even just about sci-fi movies released in 1982, mm -hmm. it's completely blown out of the water by both Blade Runner and Wrath of Khan. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. On top There's of that, no, no competition. On top of that, you got um, actors. You have Bruce Boxleitner and Jeff Bridges who hadn't even, you know, come as far as actors at that time. So, you know, they're a little rough around the edges even in that movie, you know. To this, yeah, but to, the, 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 I mean, that's, yeah, that's I mean, part of it. But yeah. the thing is, is I think what Chris is trying to make the point of is don't put, don't think of something as grander than what it really was. And if you're going to sit here and, and, and say that this, this new sequel is is doesn't live up to the the soul of the first show from what i've heard from people that have seen it um the tron legacy is just like the first tron i mean it's just a very simplistic show it's a very kind of simplistic plot it's entertaining it looks beautiful with um you know the effects and everything but it's not anything where it's like you know changed the way that uh, storytelling in movies is mm -hmm. uh you know been done it's not revolutionary in that aspect so it's just I don't know. It's just really silly to really um, go all crazy about stuff like that because I think in the end people are just they're 
they're thinking of the things that really are how they were and, and not what they really are. Yeah. I would also cite hand in hand with nostalgia with uh, this case of Tron Legacy, misplaced expectations because I noticed yeah. a lot of the complaints about the movie seemed to be that people were expecting it to be a deep philosophical meditation about you know man and technology and the role of technology in society and mm-hmm. yada yada. And what I would say is. Watch if you Matrix. want that, go watch go watch The Matrix or read yeah. one of the 100 philosophy books that have been written about The Matrix. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I watched the trailers of Tron Legacy, and from what I saw in those trailers and then the actual movie, I never expected it to be any more than just a simple sci-fi action story. Let's face yeah, it, it's I a did, Disney I movie. See that. It's yes, and it's movie. a Disney movie. Yeah, it's like, first and foremost, when you see the marquee come up before the, the trailer starts... You know you're in for something that's going to be a, a bit more superficial than some, where where Tron can actually possibly go as a series. Don't go in there expecting the Matrix or any yeah. kind of deep meditation on 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 what's reality and what's what what you know what what the virtual world could be. You're not going to get that. You're really not. It, it's going to be something that's safe for audiences to view. Remember the first focus of what Disney does when they put out movies, and it's to make money. If they're going to put out some kind of head mind bending shit. You know they're gonna they're gonna stand to lose people. They're not gonna take that Christopher Nolan. Well, game. let's let let let's let's make a distinction. We're talking yeah. about live action movies branded underneath the Walt Disney Pictures exactly. banner. You know, if they're gonna do something that they think might scare people off, then mm-hmm. they'll throw it under uh, one of their other under banners like Miramax or Touchstone, like how they were originally gonna release Princess Mononoke right. under Walt Disney and then got scared because it was so violent. And then they just uh, shuffled it under Miramax. Miramax. Yeah, there you go. They do that all the time. So when mm-hmm. it comes to live-action branded Walt Disney Pictures mm-hmm. movies, you don't expect anything deep. Like, look at some of its brethren, like um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, it's not exactly deep. Don't go into those movies expecting you know, some historical epic. Yeah, they, pay, they play fast and loose with history, <laughs> and it's just dumb, silly adventure stories for the family even yeah, if it's so. more violent than i would expect the disney movie to be it's not yeah. it's, it's still bloodless violence <laughs> well pirates is kind of the exception to the rule but it still yeah. falls in with the general trend of live action walt disney movies yeah, right. yeah it's it's nothing i mean it, it's it's nothing that isn't going to be too outside of the mainstream mm-hmm. and you know these are these are movies when they're released under that they're released for wide audiences and those, those pirates curse a lot less than what i would expect gonna, pirates to, to curse yeah it wasn't and and, was, and they rape a lot less than i would expect pirates to rape <laughs> there you go. Yeah, as in not at all and there's and there's no social commentary of uh of how things were in like the 1600s when all this stuff was going on, <laughs> and and the evils of piracy and yada yada. So, <laughs> yeah, have silly. the right expectations. Don't don't expect something out of a movie that you know it's not going to provide, and then blame the movie for not providing something that it never promised to do anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that's the problem sometimes in in a connected society that we have now, especially is people are so quick to believe certain things instead of just doing just going and watching these things uh, on their own and. I'm sure that's part of the problem why that you see movie viewership go down and it's 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 probably horrible for these studios and stuff because in the end good good words on the internet will help you will get yeah. people to watch it but then you have stuff like this where people are going to be like oh you know maybe it isn't as good as the first movie well let, let's be honest the first movie wasn't all that either it wasn't so all that good to begin with so yeah, I mean but then again I'm speaking as a person who saw it years after it came out I didn't see it in 1982 
when it came out. So I wasn't blown away by it when I finally did see it. Just I remember seeing ago. it on Disney Channel back in the day, and I wasn't too impressed. I yeah. mean, it was I always thought it was kind of little little slow pace, but whatever. I mean, but I'm not going to sit there. I haven't seen the second one yet. I, I, I plan to, but in, in comparison to I'm another, not. I'm not sitting there thinking it's going to be any worse or any better than the first one. Yeah, in comparison to all the other wonderful movies Jeff Bridges has done, this is this ranks real low on the list. <laughs> Tron, the original Tron does. Well, that's Tron. what some people would say about uh, Legacy, but yeah. that's enough of that. Uh, let's move on to the mailbag because we got a few questions to get through since right we on. took a extended break. Oh, so yeah. let's keep our answers to these short. Uh, our first question comes from royalty. It comes from the pharaoh himself, uh, Ramses. What? Oh, Ramses, a fellow Spildo. Let's go. <laughs> yes, the, the, the pharaoh. Uh, so it is written, so shall it be done. Uh, long-time listener and admirer of the podcast, but something rubbed me wrong. Uh-oh. Something rubbed me the wrong way during the Transformers the movie discussion of all the fallacies you guys had while you guys were discussing it. And I would point out that I was not involved in this episode. So not at all. I'm just saying. <laughs> One of you, the biggest you, you proudly state you weren't involved is in that, that Orson Welles didn't finish his lines for the movie when it's been debunked by Wally Blur, the voice director, and Susan Blue, another voice director and the voice of RC, right. that he did in fact finish his lines according to them. Okay. I think even Leonard Nimoy confirmed this too since it was long rumored he was the one to finish the lines. Mm-hmm. He's even gone on record to his wife by saying, um, and I, I wish we had Maurice LaMarche here to, to do this voice, but you'll just have to imagine. <laughs> You know what I did this morning? I played the voice of a toy. Some terrible robot toys from Japan that changed from one thing to another. The Japanese have funded a full-length animated cartoon about the doings of these toys, which is all bad outer space stuff. I play a planet. I menace somebody called something or other. Then I'm destroyed. My plan to destroy whoever it is is thwarted, and I tear myself apart on the screen. Funny. You know, and as I'm thinking of this, I'm hearing it in Maurice LaMarche's voice. And I'm also thinking about um, the infamous uh, frozen vegetable commercial. Oh, man. Where's my fish sticks? (laughs) So the Pharaoh continues. The 20th anniversary DVD that came out a few years back, even though rare and out of print, is the best source for these confirmations to these rumors and a lot of fun info that you guys should check out if you were that passionate about the movie right. if I came off as an elitist I'm sorry I'm not but it's something that even the actors are sick and tired of hearing and I'm just here to pass along the info so you guys won't be the next generation of people that Wally Blur has to confirm for the billionth time yeah. the next thing I had in mind is what are all you guys takes on tokusatsu shows like Kamen Rider Super Sentai Ultraman and they have such heavy mecha influences mm-hmm. What is your experience with them? Did you guys enjoy it or just take it and leave it for the most part? Anyways, again, sorry for sounding like an elitist prick back there. I'm usually a nice guy for the most part till we meet again. I, I actually, so, so has the Pharaoh spoken. <laughs> I actually met Ramses in person when we went to, uh, when, when Paul and I went to, no, I'm sorry, it was the second time I went to Comic-Con. And we had a big meetup uh, with, with listeners from Spill.com. And he's, he's a real cool person. Uh, he's a friend. Uh, I, I talk to him all the time, and um, I, I see where he's coming from, and I appreciate the insight. Uh, you know, it, I, we we kind of did that movie review off the cuff because we hadn't seen it in a while. And um, well, that was probably you because I don't yeah I don't I, talk about vo- voice acting because I don't know the only people I know is yeah that was is, all me. Uh, Slurpee sure. Spike. So yeah, the only person you know is Slurpee Spike. And Akeda. That's all I know. There you go. There you go. So that's all you need to know. Yeah, that's, that's all I need to know. There you go. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then that's the case. Who knows? And and uh, according to like Common Rider and stuff, I don't really watch Common Rider. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Ultraman, I kind of grew up with. I like kind of those kaiju shows, but I don't really have really watched them in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the only tokusatsu show I could say I've I watched at least the first season of was like the live action Sailor Moon. Yeah. That's about it. I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no. <I'm> uh, <laughs> I've seen a little bit of Kamen Rider Black. I saw an Ultraman movie. I've seen some Godzilla. Of course, and as a kid, I yeah, watched uh, original Power Rangers, but that was more for the lulls. Right. So I have to conclude that tokusatsu is just not something I'm into. It just yeah. doesn't do it for me. Uh, the special effects are really bad, usually. Um, the actors they get in Japan for these live-action shows usually aren't the best of the bunch. Mm-hmm. And um, it just doesn't appeal to me the way that, that uh, mecha anime does. So not, not my thing. Next question comes from Nasty Nate, who asks... Ooh. How much of an impact does music make, in your opinion, of anime movies and video games? Which show has the best music, in your opinion, in mecha anime and regular anime? Do you like the music better overall in Macross or Gundam better? To which I would say that um, we were actually just discussing a special project involving music, so I think we should all defer our answers until then because there will be something special in store regarding that. The only thing I would say is is good music doesn't necessarily equal good show. And good show doesn't also equal good music. So Uh, We have just a comment here from JRoy1117 who says, Hey guys, this is Justin. I want to say great job with Gundam. I am teaching abroad in the country of Georgia, and your show always brings a smile to my face. Keep up the great. I had to wonder for myself in a second uh, there. Was uh, was he in Eastern European Republic or... Anything in the U.S. state of, of Georgia, which you might consider a foreign nation. Yeah, anything outside of Atlanta is definitely different. <laughs> but I'm gonna guess that that he's uh, he's chilling there in um, in in Georgia with uh, with uh, Russian invaders. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, no, man. That, uh, keep up the good work yourself, man. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's cool that you're abroad. It, uh, I think people should go out there and see the world, and uh, you're 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 out there experiencing it. And uh, I'm glad that our show could uh could help to entertain uh in between uh, all the work that you're doing over there. So thank you for listening, man. There you go. Next question comes from Furious Rodimus. First. We've seen in recent years and currently the rise of unmanned combat units. Do you nice. think Gundam will explore this topic and the human element in war, or do you feel that Wing and the Mobile Doll stories sufficiently covered the topic? I would say Wing pretty much had it down with you yeah. know Mobile Dolls and the dehumanization of war and how if you have all of the soulless killing machines doing your dirty work for you, that it's very easy to go off and commit genocide because... There's no moral consequences for you or for any of your soldiers. Yeah. It's like, it's like and even G. Xavier real... had them too, so. Mm-hmm. It's like playing Risk, but for real. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, there's a disassociation at that point, and it, I, I think if, uh, if you don't have man soldiers on the field, the, uh, the realities of war will never, you know, will, will, will fail to be seen, and it'll just end up being a game played by superpowers and. And all the all the people in between will suffer, and I, I think I think Wing did they, it did it did delve into that very uh, uh, very well when it when it came to the the exploration of that 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 topic. I mean, it, it, there, I think there is a little room for for re-exploration, but maybe not for a while. Yeah, Paul. Um, yeah, Wing pretty much did it, and I, I would I would imagine uh, you just never know. I know that there's going to be an announcement of a newer Gundam show oh. next this year, so. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if that's maybe not the focal point, but you might have something where um, it's it's kind of a, a subplot 
uh, especially when you think about like real world um, things going on with like the United States and us using drones and stuff, which mm-hmm. in some ways is kind of doing the same thing. So, uh, I mean, as, as a focal point, I don't know, but you know, I, I would see it probably being a subplot somewhere. So, all right. Uh, second question from him is on a lighter note, since Legend of the Galactic Heroes has pretty much well ruined all other space operas for me, what other animes can you recommend that will ruin other genres for me? Only thing I can think of on the top of my head is uh, if you watch Pat Labor and haven't seen it, it will ruin every other mecha show in a contemporary setting. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that would be about right. <laughs> that would be pretty much about right there. Damn, um, that's a really good question. Uh, There's not much that'll ruin it like uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes. Ruin this yeah, it's a pretty high standard to, yeah. to match, so I don't have much to offer. That is yeah. a tough act to follow, I'm sure. But man, uh, yeah, I can't think of many other animes that really set the bar so high that um, other series you know, really can't keep up. Well, I mean... I. Man, I, I'm sure there's. Well, if you some can't do it, you don't have to try. Well, so. you know, but I have to come back. We'll, to get, we'll give you the. We'll give you the Peter. Thing, Just post know. something in the yeah. in the thread. I will yeah. post something. <laughs> in the thread. You can't there think you of go. it. It's okay. Next, uh, this is a question aimed solely at one person. Oh. Prince of Zeons asks: uh, Considering all the fantastic costumes slash uniforms for mecha characters out there, if there were ever to be a uniform made specifically for Solbro's men, what do you think it would consist of? Well, what do they wear at Pizza Hut? There you go. <laughs> it, it would have to be a fictional outlet called Pizza Weasel. There you go. Or, 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 sure. yeah. <laughs> awesome leisure, leisure suits. There you go. That's, that's, that's my vote right there. But, um, big target on them. Big <laughs> Probably what, a, a pink shirt. A decoy suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, that, that's, that's all I have to say. Okay. Next, uh, Hyakushiki. My cousin and I were talking about this question one evening, so I thought I'd pose it to you. Mm-hmm. Has there been a time in a TV series or movie where you actually wanted the villain to win, either because the villain had a plan credible enough to beat the protagonist legitimately, or simply because the heroes were stupid but succeed despite themselves that they deserve to lose? Well, I think uh, one of the immediate answers that springs to mind is um, Jabman's beloved show. I wanted Durandal to win. You did, did you, huh? Yeah, I did. Too. Absolutely. I just because he was just such an interesting character, and he yeah. was up against a bunch of chumps yeah. who did not deserve to win by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, yes, he did eventually fall into like stupid yeah. Palpatine syndrome <laughs> by the end of the series, but God, I wanted him to win. Yeah, I'd, ha- I'd have to agree with that. <laughs> I really wanted him to win, too, because, um, yeah. He was, he, was, he was one of the few three-dimensional characters in that show. So. <laughs> I, guess, um, I guess you're right. Um, he, he's, he's a character that you might end up rooting for by the time the end of, the, uh, end of Destiny rolls around, save for his, uh, his, his poor application of the Destiny plan. <laughs> but um, other than that, um, you guys can think of any examples at all? Like where the villain, you know, somewhat justified? Like Char, I wouldn't mind seeing Char winning, um, at least at the end of Mobile Suit. Um, he kind of won. Uh, he he kind of he, uh, he did what he was sp- see he, that I think that's where people get mis yeah, misinterpret yeah. for his Gundam. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really he was starting to get caught up with the thing with Armoro, but yeah. his his goal throughout the whole show was to kill all the zombies, zombies. and he did it <laughs> except for Maneva. <laughs> yeah, he gave so, her a pass. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of won at the end of that movie or at the end of the show. Or he the accomplished movie. his goal. They, uh, yeah. I, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But um, yeah, Shar would be the 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 antagonist. I would definitely uh. Put, uh, put stock behind um, 
Not too many others. Dion should win because they're mobile suits are cooler and they have nice uniforms <laughs> and they're fascists. Yay, fascism in space. Well, color me a Zionist. So, so, celebrate Operation British with a sweatshirt. There you go. Our last question comes from Burtman4 who says, Hey, Gundam hosts. I just finished watching the Macross Frontier movie. Wow, it was beautifully animated and I think they did an excellent job condensing the story. But there are some major changes to events and even villains. Some of this may change with the second movie, but it was quite interesting. So having watched the first Frontier movie, have you guys changed your hatred for Ranka? I think she came off much better in the movie. I would still pick Cheryl in a microsecond, but what did you guys think? Okay, uh, as far as actual discussion of this movie, I don't want to get into it now because it'll be a future topic very soon, mm -hmm. the next few episodes. So we'll save that. But I don't know where it is everyone gets this idea that we hate Ranka. I do. Only, only one of us does. <laughs> yes. So please say you're referring only to Neo, Neo. because it doesn't apply. Yeah, exactly. To all of us. Yes, I prefer Cheryl and I prefer a Cheryl ending, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I hate Ranka. So. Please be more specific with that. <laughs> yeah, don't don't lump everybody in. Just yes, don't lump us all in with Neo just because he hates her. Yeah. So, with that uh, wrapped up, of course we'll have mailbag again next episode. And if you want to post a question, just visit the mailbag thread on MechaTalk. All right. All right. Well, that's it for there uh, for the news and for some mailbag and straight talk expressing and goddamn apologies. Um, but uh, we'll be back with the first ep uh, first segment. Uh, you're listening to Gundam at MH2. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes, sir. I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice big shiny first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day. Gundam it. Well, all right, you're messy. Would you make me a medal, too? This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now, they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8 for 10% off any order not already discounted. GUN9 for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. .com domain names are as low as $7.49 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Whatever you do, don't let the reactor temp get too... You mean like this? We are so screwed. With our luck, I'm really not surprised we're stuck defending the entire city again. Quit being such a whiny bitch, Asuma! We're 900 Artesia. Your call is very important to us, so... Amuro, how did you get this number? He also didn't use protection when we were riding, and then he just pulled out without letting me finish. Then he threw some money at me and drove away, and then he... What? Maybe it's something psychological, you know? I'm sure a lot of guys cry for their mommy once in a while. Don't touch me! Put on your lying pants, Asuma. We're gonna go frame God. Yar, the old girl be as tight as her captain. You know, I'm beginning to not care anymore. Remember that thing that keeps us in the air and not on the ground? You mean the drive system? Yeah, it escaped. Into the mountains. God damn it! I hope it finds a good home. Watch Gundam Ren Studios Mobile Suit Gundam Abridged, now with 33% more awkward! Check it out at www.youtube.com slash Gundam Ren Studios! 
We have a problem. We need to set up a perimeter. Who is this? Isn't this the coach of the baseball team? No, you have the wrong number. This is Shirley Douglas's residence. Really? Yes, I should know. She's my mother. Your mother? You still live with your mother? How old are you? I'm hanging up now. Kiefer, who was that? Gun Damn it, Mom! I told you to knock before you come in! segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. And for our first topic of 2011, um, we're going to be doing a uh, an anime spotlight on an anime that recently premiered in Japan and has recently concluded in December of 2010. It was the 12-episode uh, Iron Man anime. And uh, for all those that haven't seen it, like always, we will be discussing some spoilers but based on the way that this anime is um you could probably pretty much there's really no spoilers because you've seen it all before uh basically the story's kind of uh tony stark uh, goes to japan to uh, put the first arc reactor online to help give uh, the whole country of japan free and clean energy and during his time in japan he is uh, attacked by these uh, iron man armor wannabe uh, suit villains uh, from this uh, basically from this group called Zodiac and uh, a lot of uh, Monster of the Week or Zodiac Monster of the Week um, we see just a lot of um, school anime stereotypes from a lot of things and uh, by the end of it it's 12 episodes and we have a very predictable un- unimaginative and kind of generic endings. So um, I guess we'll put this over to Chris first. What were some of your thoughts about the uh, Iron Man anime? I hope I didn't leave anything out when it came to the storyline. Please call it out. It's a very, very exhaustive, um, very exhaustive um, detailing of the goings on of this show. Uh, If I had to sum up the Iron Man anime in one word, it very clearly would be disappointing (laughs) because, uh, you know, it was very early on, last year, or it wasn't maybe late 2009, that um, Madhouse showed off these trailers for Iron Man and Wolverine, and um, the Wolverine trailer, thankfully, is nothing like the final product, because it was about this completely unrecognizable, shonen-looking guy with long hair that just was not Wolverine. On the other hand, uh, the Iron Man anime was also nothing like the trailer, but in the bad way, because the trailer looked so much better than what the actual anime was. God, isn't that such a cock tease? It was, but that's not even the main part because yeah. animation for me is not the, uh, the biggest selling point of the show. Yeah. yeah, but you watch the show and you wonder to yourself, just why, why did they make this show the way they did in terms of the writing? Because supposedly the story outline was done by Warren Ellis and then the individual scripts were written by Japanese writers and if that's the case, it certainly shows because each episode is just jammed full of these very typical Japanese cliches that you've seen over and over and over again. And even some old, tired American cliches, like, for example, um, evil weather control machine for one episode. 
Yeah, I thought he was fighting Cobra. Yeah. Um, also, the first episode starts off with, you know, well, it ends with Tony getting attacked by this robot that says, I am blank, a warrior for Zodiac. And you think to yourself, oh, no. Zodiac, 12 signs, 12 episodes. We're going to have one dude per episode? Pretty much. Not exactly, but almost is how that worked out. Oh, yeah. Um, other cliches. The character who comes back and you thought he's dead, but he's not. And he's like, I used to be good, but I'm evil and I hate you now and I'm bad, but there's actually a sliver of goodness left in me. <laughs> and by that, I mean um, Professor Yinsen. Right. Who has now been um, resurrected almost as a villain in Zodiac. Also, you have Zodiac as just this really dumb terrorist organization that performs all these random attacks, and then they finally do their big thing at the end, which makes you wonder, why did they bother with all the stuff they were doing before? (laughs) (laughs) The villain, which I call on the first episode, turns out to be the uh, Japanese defense minister, Kuroda. And it's no surprise when he's revealed to be the villain. And all that he ends up wanting is just, you know, typical whitewashing Japanese nationalist the military was awesome. We need to, you know, fight back against these dirty Westerners and, you know, conquer the world. <laughs> um, also, the cliche of having, like, um, this guy Sakurai, who is sort of like a Gary Stu in the sense that he's just, like, the most perfect, awesome dude. You know, he's a good close combat fighter. Uh, in the episode where Tony has to go into space, he's like, I need your best pilot to launch me into space. What a surprise. Who's the best pilot? It's this guy. <laughs> it's this and guy. I totally figured it'd be that guy. Uh, they built him an Iron Man ripoff suit called uh, Ramon Zero, which basically is an Iron Man suit but made it look like samurai armor. And it's completely ridiculous. Who's the pilot of it? Him. Of course. You know, who's the uber honorable I fight for Japan guy? This guy. I die for Japan guy. Yeah, um, Captain Nihon. I don't. I don't trust. I don't trust you, Tony Stark. But in the end, as I die, it's like it's up to you to say yes. I, I call him the Japanese roadie, but he's just he's, he's, he's an insulting roadie. That'd be yeah, that would. Huh? That would be. Um, as far as new characters go, you have this chick uh, Nanami, the trash reporter. Oh boy. Yeah. Who I find offensive just as a journalist. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't exactly have too great uh, skills there, did she? And the thing is, I can understand why she's there because, you know, Tony Stark, is, he's, a, he's a dirty gaijin, so she's like the Japanese viewpoint character that the Japanese audience can connect with. Like, they're experiencing all this weird, unknown stuff just like she is, but she's just not very interesting. Yeah. Nor is her... Um, fat guy that eats all the time. Fat, fat partner who seems to do nothing other than just eat food all the time. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> Eating the damn chips. Yeah, all the revelations at the end, like uh, Tony's love interest actually being a Zodiac robot thing who then dies to save him. Mm-hmm. Also another pointless cliche. <laughs> uh, everything involving Yinsen, his return and hatred of Tony fighting for Zodiac and then him dying. So Again, you know, die, d- again dying for Tony and then saying, um, I know you can be good. Don't don't disappoint me as I die. <laughs> Which is the same thing he said the first time. I know. It's up to you. <gasps> it's up to you again. I won't be back for the second season. Oh. You know, I think perhaps the most disappointing thing is that, you know, you would think that Iron Man 
as an anime would be the most suited of Marvel's properties for such a translation. Yep. But it really just worked out to be a very generic show. There's really hardly anything about it that makes it even feel Marvel other than you have Iron Man, uh, you have Logan cameoing in one episode, mm-hmm. um, you, know, you have Pepper appearing on a computer monitor every few episodes, which is just a damn shame because they made her look so hot in that show. Oh, of course. Yeah. And that's really it. It doesn't really feel anything like a comic book story. And, it, and it's, it's a really kind of even if you take out, if you search and replace Tony Stark and Iron Man and you put in like some Japanese guy's name, it would just be kind of, still kind of a me type of show because it's just yeah. so... It would be a generic show regardless of whether yeah. it was Marvel or not with this story. That's it for me for now. I'm sure I'll have more gripes later. Oh, I'm sure you will. Soul Bro, <laughs> your thoughts of, uh, of well, Iron Man. Well, before I watched it, I was forewarned that it was not up to, um, it was not up to uh, Marvel standards. Um, at, at least when it comes to uh, Iron Man and the, and the depths he's he's crossed. No, actually, I forewarned you. It wasn't up to anime standards. Oh, damn! It wasn't. Even, I, I, <laughs> well, I don't even have an issue because of the Marvel thing. It, I, I couldn't help but it feeling like anime to some degree because when I'm watching it, well, it's a bunch I feel, of cliches. I, I feel like I'm watching a modern day version of Gekigangu Three. Like <laughs> the things that they parodied and spoofed in the Desco were full frontal in this show. Like, um, for instance, the episode with Kid Magne- Magneto. Um, that, that little that oh, little God, mutant girl, yeah. Aki, um, you know, she was like uh, Aquamarine was in the episode where, um, where one of the Gekigenga pilots meets uh, Aquamarine, this, this, this girl who's an enemy on the other side who ends up pairing up with them and then dying to sacrifice her life to save one of the people in the show, um, one of the pilots in the show. And uh, in, in a sense, this little girl, Aki, did die because she lost all her memory from that time that she was... Uh, a, a pilot for the Zodiac, and she also lost her mutant power as a result of the, the trauma she endured at the end of the episode. But she ended up having a happier life, so, you know, that was the payoff there. And then um, you have uh, the, the stalwart Japanese pilot who, you know, the, 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 as you guys had mentioned, uh, not quite Japanese roadie, but, you know, Captain Japan, most definitely. Uh, this guy, uh, Sakurai, he's, he's, he's definitely st- stereotypical. <laughs> he's no Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers, too. <laughs> It might have just been more accurate to call him Captain Japan. <laughs> just, give a, just give him a shield. That's just the, the rising sun. There you go, logo. man. I was, I was expecting him to almost, to almost be that guy towards the end, him in his Ronin Warriors suit. Believe me, he'll probably show up if they do a, a Captain America anime. Oh, my gosh. I was almost kind of thinking that he would Steve actually... Steve Roger meets, meets Captain Japan. <laughs> I didn't think they'd actually have the, the balls to kill him off, though. I figured that you know he would get disabled to some degree or knocked out. Or his suit oh, would get so wrecked. It, it was just it, that's what happens to that character. It's the yeah. cliche. That character. But has I thought to he die. would come. He would come back at the very last second to slam into Corotta's oh, giant suit and then get killed for real. Yeah, that's what I was expecting during that last episode. Was with with the horrible last episode final fight where it's just like really, <laughs> this is it. And, and, and I, I was with you, Chris. Each minute that, that he was fighting Corotta, Tony, I was like, oh. He's just going to come, and he's going to save the day, and then just finally get impaled or something. It's like it didn't happen, thank God, but still. Uh, if, if anything, yeah, he, he, was, he was a bit too by the numbers, but um, at least he didn't, he didn't come back at the last second to help save the day at the end. You know, he was pretty much dead, and, and they kept it that way. No, so. that, was, that was replaced by, oh, I've been, I've, I, I didn't know the whole show, but now I'm, I'm working for Zodiac, and when I was doing all these great things with the arc reactor, I was – subconsciously putting in these programs to screw everything up that that the uh what was her name the the love interest of tony I, chica. chica chica thank you 
Yeah. And it's like, oh, really? Well, they did hint that she was doing a couple things that she was blacking out on, like the episode where Tony got kidnapped. You know, she was just mysteriously standing in front of his mansion, um, you know, unresponsive and whatnot. And that just did seem kind of a little, that, that seemed a little suspicious. And, you know, at least they established a little bit that, you know, she was being, a, you know, puppeteered uh, to, 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 be a, uh, to be a tool of the Zodiac. But, you know, it was, it was just very little that they put in there to, to establish that fact. Um, I, I will say this. Some of the episodes of the show I did like. I did like the episode where they introduced Jensen um, with his backstory and, and, and all that stuff. I don't like the fact that the man lived because, you know, quite honestly, the, 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 one of the biggest things in comics is that you don't bring back certain characters. And Jensen is one of those characters, one of the, one of the characters that, that define the hero and make him the person they are today. If they died as a result of that character, that person developing, usually don't bring them back. Although comic books have uh, broken that rule with Bucky and, and um, Jean Grey. And, and but they generally stick to it. Like, for yeah. example, you know, um, as far as I know, mm-hmm. no Marvel comic has ever brought back Ben Parker. That's yeah. true. That's true. Although, that guy has stayed dead because he's the defining thing. You know, his death is what taught Peter, you know, oh, I, I screwed up. You know, I was I was only thinking about myself. And then he died as a result of that. And that's when he got the lesson of with great power comes great responsibility. Yep. What would it have done if there was a story where Peter finds out oh, Uncle Ben isn't really dead and he's actually <laughs> Mysterio or oh, yeah, a goblin or something? Yeah. You know, or, or Bruce Wayne uh, finds out that Thomas Wayne isn't really dead and is really uh, the Riddler. Yeah. That's true. And, and the thing with, like, Bucky and Captain... Captain America was Captain America before Bucky even died. So oh, yeah. it's like, that's one of his traumatic things, but it wasn't one of these things to set Steve Rogers to be Captain America. It's, yeah. It's a bringing him back is not as much but yeah and they they did bring back Bucky in such a kick-ass way I can't deny them doing it that's the new cap and even other controversial Mm -hmm. resurrections like bringing back Jason Todd Mm -hmm. you know Batman was already Batman was already Batman for decades before Jason Todd was killed so you know there's you don't bring back dead origin characters whose very deaths are the um, you know the critical spark that inspires someone to be a hero because it undoes the whole point of them doing everything they've done Exactly. Like, um, you know, very rarely does Marvel even even talk about bringing back Gwen Stacy, although that, I think they've done it once or twice, but they usually find a way to kill her off again. But they you know, usually it, do it in alternate. Yeah, lot, alternate universes still. or what-if scenarios. Yeah, well, yeah. hell, even in Ultimate, they killed her and then brought her back. Yeah, oh, they Jesus. did. <laughs> but then again, even in that sense, mm-hmm. Peter was already Spider-Man because of Uncle Ben's death. So right. even though the death of Gwen Stacy in the original continuity was a defining, iconic part of of his backstory it still doesn't affect him becoming spider-man in the first place mm-hmm. just like how tony stark became iron man because of yinsen yeah. exactly not only did yinsen help him make the suit but it's because of yinsen's sacrifice and and what yinsen represented that made tony stark the man he is today and his experience with that man you know you know it, it's one of those things i do like the fact that when they bring it back it tests tony's conviction but you know he stays convicted like the episode where he's trapped on that island where he's got to face off with that uh, scorpion robot, you know, Yipson's trying to see if he'll actually make a weapon to destroy the robot or find some auxiliary use for it, and he doesn't. Um, he doesn't play into predictability. Yeah, Iron, it was Iron Man needed to even bring back. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just like. It, but even then, there was some cockamamie thing like, oh, if you had made some weapon, I implanted something in your brain that would like, yeah, mm-hmm. remake your personality. It's what? What which is, is that? Which is dumb, <laughs> and, and, and it makes no sense because. 
in the end, what Tony was doing before Jensen came back in the show, he was still doing, he wasn't making weapons. He wasn't yeah. doing any of this stuff. So it's like, what do you, what is, what, what else does Tony have to do? Mm -hmm. I mean, your whole thing of like, oh, you're just a weapons maker and stuff like that. It doesn't apply to this. Right. Because it's, it's stated that he's just there to, you know, do the arc reactor. And I mean, the only thing that they have an issue with is because it, they need the plutonium to start it up mm -hmm. and that would violate you know Japanese law with um, radioactive material but other than that it was just it didn't make any sense it's like what more do you want this guy to do to be and I don't know it was yeah. just, it was just it was just a cheap way of you know having that cliche of um, you know oh, you, you you not only have to you have to now fight again the person that you respect or you had lost before and this is stupid yeah it, it, it's a it's an old trick that 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 um, I just I think cheapens Yinsen as a character. I'll, you know, I, li I like Yinsen, but I like what he represented, and I like the fact that he he was the changing force in Tony Stark's life. You don't really need to bring it back just to kill him again. You know, it's just kind of stupid. But, and to uh, kill him in, in a stupid way too. Oh yeah, yeah he went out so <laughs> like oh I got punked by uh, my own you know robotic Iron Man uh, <laughs> unmanned version. Exactly. You know, it, 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 to, to make a long story short, I do like the show because it is a throwback to the, the 70s super robot shows of, of yore, but we've seen it all before. And to see that implemented into an Iron Man story, it, it's kind of alien to what Iron Man is today. You know, I, I, I guess maybe that's what Iron Man was when the, when the, when the comic book first came out. Not really. He, really? I mean, he didn't have like... Always, it's a, he, he's always been about, um, you know playboy billionaire that doesn't yeah. really care about anything making money mm -hmm. off of weapons and stuff has yeah. the, gets hurt by his own weapons has the or whatever some he got hurt by his own weapons some it was just he was you know got hurt by a grenade or whatever yeah. whatever however that rolling storyline goes in the main marvel <laughs> continuity you know because it went from vietnam to now like the gulf war right and um it's always been about corporate espionage it's always been about you know him fighting his company because he mm -hmm. wants to do good but the you know he's still got to look at the bottom line of the company and everything and but, the fact that the, the government and everybody wants to use him for his his technology but so. in the early days iron man wasn't a bit episodic you know like he would fight the monster of the week and well that know, whatever but that all would comics kind of had that though every yeah. it, comics all had the villain of the week or you know the villain of the month or they'd have they'd have a few issues where they'd be fighting it i mean if you look at them all they all especially like in the 60s and 70s they all had that but yeah. i mean if you're gonna speaking of monsters of the week um i'm sorry go ahead okay no, i was just gonna say if you're gonna do if you want to do an homage to super robot show mm. do an homage to a super robot show that's true Iron in, a, in a super robot show yeah i mean <laughs> it, it, it's like you know these monsters of the week were really annoying because you, you had to ask yourself like what is up with this organization, this mysterious organization, Zodiac, that nobody knows what they're up to? Yeah. And why do they send one of these dumb robots after Tony every single week? Exactly. Why not three or four or five at the same time? And why, and why is it so... If, and the thing is, is if you're going to... If your aim is to rule Japan, why are you attacking Tony Stark? Of all people. I mean, why aren't you like going after the government and stuff? And, like and this bizarre thing of like making it look... Like he was one of them, and then it's like, no, it's merely, it's really me, Kuroda. Ha ha ha! I will rule Japan. <laughs> I don't know what the point of any of that was. And you know, if all he wanted to do was take over the arc reactor, and he had Chica as his inside agent, programming all this stuff in there, why didn't he just do that at the very beginning? Why spend like eight episodes, nine episodes, with just these dumb attacks? 
and these dumb plots like the weather machine, um, the satellite thing in space, like uh, trying to make people sick because of the satellite and all these other dumb things they were doing. What was the point of any of that? Yeah, it's just a, a, a supervillain's overbloated scheme. <laughs> it, no, it just seemed like poor. filler. Like, like they just yeah. had a very poor story. And it's like, how can we drag this out? Oh, let's have Tony fight a bunch of dumb robots every week. Yeah. yeah. And then let's throw in Yinsen for good measure to have uh, a villain as his foil. Yeah, because if you really look at it, if, if this is a thing to introduce Iron Man into Japan, mm-hmm. um, it's got nothing of it. It's like there's no corporate thing. It would have been nice. I, I would have had no problem if it was like it would have made more sense if maybe Kuroda was with some like top corporate corporation there and they were planning to take over things like a rival uh, yeah. arms manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. I mean, or like, a rival like company Hammer that's somebody. making something against the arc reactor. Or yeah, some, you know, it, it just didn't. It, 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 was it feels just, very, like I said, very detached from Marvel. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in the world that Marvel's already established, you have so many villains that they could have picked from. Like I was, I was talking to Paul. Well, I, I, like, I don't have a problem with them making, making their own original villains villain because it's it's that. But the, yeah, you know, it, it's just the thing of it's not the spirit of Iron Man. I yeah. mean, it, it's it doesn't have the the basics that. You know, if you're introducing this into a new country, mm-hmm. um, it's like if they, you know, when they, if they were to make a Gundam for for American audience, right? I mean, the Japanese would be pissed if we completely changed, <laughs> you know, the realistic thing and all, you know, and made it where it was just like some hyper, you know, American thing, mm-hmm. and they'd be pissed on the same thing, and and it wouldn't look as good, and and you know, it and it takes away from what the actual show is right because when you look at the actual things i mean if a japanese person watched like any of the other iron man shows it'd be like really this is iron man but i thought the anime that we got was iron man yeah they're they're just so distinctly different but by the same token this is a show that's made for two audiences because even though it aired in japan first it will eventually air in america and american fans like us will watch it and be like what the hell was this? Yeah. And I got to say, you know, I went into this this um, show not at all thinking about Robert Downey Jr. I yeah. did not go in expecting anything like the live action movies. Mm-hmm. So I divorced that completely from my mind. So my disappointment does not arise because I was expecting that. It arises from the show being disappointing on its own merits. Yeah. I mean, and also as far as villains, mm-hmm. while it would have been nice to have some some Marvel villains like the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows if there were some restrictions because, like, for example, the way Marvel has declared that uh, Kingpin is considered a Daredevil villain now and no longer Spider-Man, so right. Spider-Man As the big guy. shows can't use him, so they've had to use the big man. The big man, yeah, The right. big man. <laughs> so as, as a standard, even though Kingpin started off as a Spider-Man villain, and in my opinion, works much better yeah. on Spider-Man because screw Daredevil, sorry. And, 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 all, and all... And all the big man is is a low rent kingpin. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's the same kingpin Junior. So I just who I knows? Just, Maybe Marvel said you can use Tony Stark and Iron Man, and mm-hmm. you can use some of these elements, but you can't use everything. So they might have had that restriction. They might not. We don't know. I just I was hoping that Marvel would take advantage of the medium of anime and um, have something produced that would be a bit more sophisticated than what we got. For, well, it just for, shows you they should have had, had more control over it. That's true. Because and if all they did was write the outline and they gave it to the Japanese writers, well, I mean, it's that's can, what it is. Can you name a writer that, that's written Iron Man recently or that a run of Iron Man that you enjoyed written by a particular comic writer that um that you I think we could oversaw I never the looked, series? I just read the comics for the comics. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. I like the um uh 
the one where the armor was trying to take him over. That was like the early 2000s, the right. extremist, when, when he was getting taken over by the armor mm-hmm. and by the consciousness. And uh, even the stuff they've done now where he's his, they had to reboot him. Speaking of which, so, what's the armor that actually comes out of him organically? Because that girl oh, had there's it. So Chica. Many, there's so many different there's armors so many different ones in the it. comics. Yeah, there's I, so many different ones. I, even though I thought it's it was extreme, stupid that she That's was, the extremist armor is the one that was the biomechanical one that came out of his skin or whatever. Yeah. But that, let's get back to the anime. Anything else, <laughs> Soul Bro, on the anime? Other, other than my, my We last. don't want to cloud people by talking about stuff that's good against stuff that's bad. Well, no, I mean, I mean it's a good contrast because you're, you're very versed in the comic books. So I, I just, you know, it's, edu- it's educational to me to see how the comic book is in contrast to this. Apparently, it's better. But, <laughs> well, but no, um, I, pretty much what I said before that I wish that Marvel took advantage of the medium of anime to really put out something compelling and um it looks yeah, like but what a, madhouse what about, the, what about the flip side and maybe madhouse could have took advantage of having a character that's you know a well-known character especially because of live action movies lately yeah they screwed up too so i, I wouldn't just bl- put this all on marvel that's, that's true. i blame both parties. i just i see marvel as more of a hands-on studio now the way they've been managing their licenses and whatnot hell they're um you yeah, know but this could have been an old agreement yeah, yeah this this um this, this deal with Madhouse predated Disney. the Disney purchase. Oh, right on. So yeah, yeah. this this might have been going on for a while, but yeah, I expected it better. It's not the worst anime out there, and if if you guys want if you guys want to give it a whirl, I think people should. But um, that that's pretty much all I got to say, um, on on the subject of Iron Man. Take it, Neo. This is all oh, you. Just a few little thoughts. Um, I'm with Chris. I didn't when I went into this. I wasn't going by the the movies or even the fact that I read the comics every month. Um, you know, I was actually, I was actually a little excited because I wanted to see the take on it. And you know, when I took a look at it, watched all twelve episodes, and I sat there and I was like, "Wow, this is just, just a very generic, low rent, typical Japanese anime." And like I said earlier, we were talking about it, it doesn't matter if it's Tony Stark or you know Ken Kanakura, you know, or some guy <laughs> like that, you know, who's like the top SDF pilot for the. For the um, you know for the defense forces and it's like it, it didn't make any sense though um, you know I'm not one of these people where it's going to be like oh it's got to follow the way the comics were this is the way it went you know the main Marvel continuity has to follow this doesn't but like Chris stated the whole thing of bringing back Yinsen I mean that just really made it where I think if that didn't happen I might have a little bit higher opinion of the show mm-hmm. because that was just really that was just a cheap grab. The show and, jumped the shark, and it only was one season. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, let, let the guy be dead. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was cool that they, they had it, and they even flashed it back, similar to the first Iron Man live-action movie. That's mm-hmm. fine, but he's dead. And, you know, bringing him back, it didn't do anything, and it just, it just makes it where, okay, wow, if they do a second season, Chica might come back. You know, it just leaves it all open. And it, it's just like, I don't know, it... It's not, I wouldn't, I would say people that watch it, it's only 12 episodes, which makes it easy, because I'll be honest, if we weren't going to talk about it, I might have, I might have shut it off, and, and, because <laughs> uh, after the weather episode, I was just like, nice. really? The weather that's, dominates all! <laughs> you know, the, that's the episode, you know, it's sort of like, um, like in Destiny, when they had uh, the, the, the wedding crashers. Yeah. That was when I first got the hint, like, oh, this show ain't going to go right. This is wow. something, you get the spider sense tingling that something's wrong with this show. 
And with Iron Man, it's like, yeah, the show's all right, yeah. And then they had the weather episode, and it's like, oh, no. And, and for such, and for, you know, you can kind of forgive a throwaway episode when it's like a 50-episode show, mm-hmm. but when it's 12 episodes, and you're just throwing away one, and it's just kind of like, mm, you know, and, and, and it just, it didn't make any sense. You know what? You know what I was expecting? After seeing Batman Gotham Knight, I was expecting that this would be kind of like a uh, another kind of... Uh, well, you expected take. it wrong. Well, <laughs> that was a well-done anime adaptation of a comic book, uh, American, an American like comic, I, like book, I, comic book hero. Yeah, but that was that was uh, Warner being very hands-on because yeah. you had Bruce Timm producing. Hell yeah. You had the show was written, not the show, but the um, the segments were written by Americans. That's true. Just like how Animatrix was written by Americans. The Just Japanese directed, were only doing the, the animation and, and the direction. direction. Which, yeah. which should have been probably the case in this where maybe not even just writing it but maybe they would proofread the episodes before they were <laughs> before they were done because it just i don't know it's like i don't know what the thought process of it was and like chris stated this was something that's being made for for both sides of the pacific and it just doesn't um i mean i don't think it's going to be very well received here um, well i'm curious what kind of dubcast they'll uh they'll yeah, be using when the show airs on spike tv i'm presuming that Steve Blum would probably be the voice of Logan in that one episode since he's the official like voice of Wolverine mm-hmm. cartoons and games now. So I would using, expect him. They've been they've been pretty consistent on the Marvel voice actors too. Like um in a lot of the games that have been coming out recently, the the same guy who does the voice of Iron Man does the voice of Iron Man in um not only Marvel versus Capcom three but also in that Superhero Squad right. show and other well, that's ones. What he's I, they'll, they'll probably they'll probably use. That's what he's I, I think Stephen they do have Blum official is, voices. He's, he's Logan. No, and I'm all just those saying things. for Iron Man. I think they're going to use the same guy that's been voicing all Iron right. Man for a while. Well, that's, that's I mean they've been doing oh, yeah. it with all the the heroes. Well, I, I, but I understand, but I'm just it's I, I don't know. It, like I said, I would watch. I mean, I would watch it. I wouldn't say it's like anime toilet worthy or anything like that. It's just very. <laughs> Very borderline. It's just very generic. I mean, it's really the only way. It's only, it's the only best way I can describe it. It's it's not going to knock your socks off. It's not going to really do anything where it's like, whoa, you know, I can't wait for the next episode. What what'll happen? I'm on such a cliffhanger here. Mm-hmm. And you know, it like I stated earlier, the last episode, the final fight is just really, it's really just blah. I mean, it, it was so predictable and. Even though some of the stuff you were thinking was going to happen didn't happen, the mm. fact that you that even enters your mind shows you how predictable the show is. So, Damn. on the MHQ scale of things, I would probably give it a two. Man. So, Chris, what would what would be your on the MHQ scale? Uh, two and a half. Yeah, so I was thinking myself. So something, two and a half for yeah, something it, right down the middle. Yeah, animation I mean, was nice, but you know, I got it below. Eh, the animation was serviceable. And I didn't. Again, yeah, it wasn't that very great. disappointing. Go back, go back and watch on YouTube the the Iron Man anime trailer. Oh yeah, and then tell me that the animation in the TV show was good. No, I, I actually and it's looked, only twelve episodes. I actually looked over it afterwards because I remember um I remember that trailer and it was like some kind of dandy villain in the like trailer. some kind of like neo Nazi dandy yeah. guy exactly. Yeah. And I went back to look lots and some hot chick and lots of cool things. It's like God damn, this looks awesome, but this is not what you're getting. I mean, even the Not fact, even the fact in his pseudo Audi R8 that he oh. that he gets his uh, that he can put the Iron Man armor in, it's like that couldn't even save it. It, it wasn't Ouch. even his even the getting the armor on stuff was just kind of like wow, okay, hmm. 
that's cool. I've already seen this in the live action sh- movie, but you know, what are you gonna do? But um, not much. Anything else on Iron Man the anime? That's it for me. I take it. I take go. it. Silence is golden on this one. So uh, Chris said meh. So <laughs> meh. That's that's that's. It's kind that's of that's my you, comment. That's, that's what you did opinion. after every episode, right? Meh. Yeah, pretty much. So, but uh, enough of uh, Iron Man anime bashing. Um, like I said, check it out. It's you don't have to invest that much time into it. And um, if you can't see it while it's available now, I'm sure you'll be able to see it when it comes to the states. Whenever it comes, when is it coming this year, Chris? Do you know? We have no date yet on when Spike TV is going to air it. Okay. So it'll be on Spike, and uh, just keep checking your local cable listings for that. For Wait, was it Spike or G4? I can't remember now. I think it's G4. Is, is it, it G4? G4? Yeah, it's okay. G4. Well, there you go then. Well, I, I can't tell because, you know, G4 has um, has trying to, like, turn itself into a poor man Spike TV. Spike Jr.? Yeah. It's... Yeah. So since the two channels are both equally garbage in my eyes, it's hard to tell them apart. Well, there you go. So not only a review of an anime, but a review of a channel in this format. <laughs> hey, look at it this way: a, a crappy anime for a crappy TV station. Ooh, man, damn it! Not set on that one. Huh? I guess he's had his fill of Campus PD. So yeah, if it's G4, then there you go, G4. If it, if it was Spike, whatever, same difference. There you go. <laughs> don't don't go correcting me in in the thread. All right, people. <laughs> I don't care. That's the spirit. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, at this point, it doesn't matter. So. Uh, but uh, we'll be right back with more stuff on Goddamn at NHP. Jules, you give that fucking Nimrod $1,500 and I'll shoot him on general principle. No, Yolanda, Yolanda, he ain't gonna do a goddamn motherfucking thing. Bitch, shut the If you're into sports, working out, or just need a new pair of shoes, and you're a proud listener of Gundam at MAHQ, well, we got the thing for you. If you go to Gundam.net, you can click on the Champs banner and receive 10% off a $50 or more purchase by entering the code AFMAHQCH or 15% off of a $75 or more purchase using the code AFGUNDCH. If you're a fan of the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, college sports, or even stuff like Major League Soccer and a lot of your uh, premiership soccer jerseys, definitely go to champsports.com for all those needs. And also visit them because they have some great deals on footwear and other products. We, the hosts of Gundam at MHQ, visit champsports.com for all of our footwear and sporting good needs. You should too. Tired of other anime podcasts being such a star fest. My plan was perfect, but there was one thing I overlooked. One factor I failed to calculate. He's a dumbass. I hate Narutards. Oh my god, he's wet. And I'm sick of the giant Moe monster wreaking havoc in my anime city. So what's my solution? Make a better podcast than everyone else. Well, at least I try anyway. Join me, Josh Dunham, as I talk about my ideas and opinions about current Japanese music, games, and anime. You can find my weekly podcast at www.animation.blogspot.com. That's A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. I review the new shows and manga coming out of Japan, as well as ye old goodies. So check me out. I'm only a Google search away at Animation. 
A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-M. Come back here! I'm not finished with you! Come This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and for this next topic, we're going to be digging into the topic submission thread and covering a topic that was recommended to us by a listener, in this case, Gundam Maker one who says, I'd like to know the cast's opinions on the crappiest and or complicated weapons and mecha in Gundam and other mecha shows. An example would be the Requiem Super Weapon from Gundam Sea Destiny. So... Stole our thunder, huh? Yeah, I guess so, right out of the gate. So I figured, hey, this would make a great topic. Why don't we discuss dumb super weapons from anime shows? And uh, what better way to start than with Requiem? <laughs> Requiem. Yeah. So right out of the gate, as I said, we're gonna jump in. And uh, sorry in advance, Jabman, but um, you're gonna start. You're gonna start shedding some tears at some point, probably. So Requiem, a a lunar cannon that um, uses uh, chunks of abandoned colonies outfitted with Geshmitic Panzer beam deflection to deflect beams all over space in any direction. So you can hit targets in space, right such as <laughs> yes, you can hit um, you could hit the plants from the opposite side of the moon. You can hit the Earth. You can hit all manner of crap. Um, I would have to say, without a doubt, one of the dumbest super weapons ever. Yeah. And in its defense, it's a great weapon for a surprise one-time use. Yeah. Because if you're situated on the opposite side of the moon at a plant, you would never expect an attack to come from where it came from. Exactly. So if it, if it only works best as a one-time attack, you really got to make sure that you hit it the first time. And they tried to uh, hit Aprilius 1, the capital of the plants, and they failed. They did hit a couple of other plants and cause a bunch of havoc. But um, after that, it just became a, a battle of capture Requiem and destroy its relay stations. So why is this a dumb weapon? Well, you need multiple relay stations if you want to point it in any specific direction. So you don't even have to bother destroying the cannon itself. You just have to destroy these relay stations, which are just chunks of colony cylinders. Yeah. So, gentlemen, comments on Requiem. With colonies that you'd never seen before in in that... that in that uh, universe, or actually, no. well, they they had they had O'Neill they had, had O'Neill yeah. right, colonies in uh, in the seed universe, most of which were destroyed by the beginning of the first seed. So that's yeah, not something that's right. out of out of the ordinary. That was that was I forgot the big reveal of uh, uh, Rala Cruce. <laughs> yes, I'm not. I'm your father, Moo. No, <laughs> or even Heliopolis, or Heliopolis too. So, but anyway, Requiem. Um, 
Yeah, pretty stupid. Other than other than hearing the uh, the villains of Seed having you know to to to, to really uh, fight hard to say the name, there's really not much to look Rick forward Wee to. Requiem, the fat guy from the Orb. Oh yeah, it, it, it was it was always a treat to have them say it more so than Rick have them fire. Wee, uh, and um, it's 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 in a long list list of super weapons that have terrible aim. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, even with all of the fancy like beam oh. bending, they still couldn't hit their target. Oh my gosh, man! Uh, yeah. uh, unlike uh, you know other shows, like if you have a super weapon that gets so hyped but can't shoot for shit, uh, that's just a bad super weapon. <laughs> Straight up and down. But yeah, old Requiem. Uh, not much to say about it except it's uh, it's it's it's, it's definitely it definitely belongs in this list, most definitely. <laughs> Paul, any any comments on? Uh... On Requiem? No, you guys pretty much hit it all there. I mean, what else can you say about something where you can only pretty much use it once? And for all of the super hyper technology of bending the beam, you still couldn't even get even close to what you were aiming for. I mean, I guess it was shocking because they were able to hit those other colonies. But, you know, in the end, you'd have to give it a, a D for uh, performance because you're supposed to hit Aprilius uh, and you hit uh, one of the other ones. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> so I would also say, um, aside from the stupidity of having Requiem, mm-hmm. I also have to add the stupidity of Durandal wanting Requiem. Yeah. Why would you want this piece of crap? Because if you destroy the relay stations, it's just a moon cannon that can only fire one way. One way. So what's the point of that? Uh, you would want something that is mobile. Like, for example, Neogenesis in uh, Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he already had that. Why would you want to add some useless super weapon? Because we already know the destructive power of Genesis. Yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it. Why not, why not keep running with that? So I don't know what he gained from that. And lo and behold, look what happened when, uh, when he tried to fire Requiem. Uh, the fucking Jesus Yamato team, they came in. <laughs> They destroyed the uh, the relay stations just like Zap was doing before, and then they destroyed the actual cannon itself. The seed all stores. <laughs> yeah, and then on top of that, even Messiah, which had like beam shields and all of that, they got trounced by Jesus Yamato, mm-hmm. and then Fancy Fortress uh, went bye bye. Yeah. So goodbye, other super weapon. Now, I'm a little bit rusty on my. Uh, my destiny, but since we're on the subject, didn't Durandal also have not Durandal? Uh, didn't uh, Gibril have some other super cannon back on Earth? I believe so. Yeah, there was another super cannon named after like mythology as well. Yeah. I, I, I want to say uh, Nibelung. I think so. Oh yeah, yeah, he did have that. So, and what did that accomplish? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It's. <laughs> you know what? That's pretty much what you could. You could you could um, you could summarize everything that Jibra wanted to do in Destiny. What did he accomplish? Nothing. It just goes to show space racers can't build can't build super weapons. They just can't. <laughs> they just can't handle um all the uh, all the finesse that it takes to to to, to make one man. It was the, Jibra okay. Was, it was it was called uh, Nibelung. Oh, Nibelung, yeah. And, um, yeah, it was at Heaven's Base. I I thought that's where it was. Yeah. It did nothing. Guy was such a low rent Azrael. Oh my god. The thing is, and this applies to all people we're going to talk about and all of the dumb weapons, but if you expect some dumb super gun to win your war for you, then you're thinking too much. Yeah. You're placing your hopes 
too much on that one piece of technology because not any one piece of technology can win a war for you. This is a clear-cut case of putting um, all your eggs in one basket. It may have worked in the 20th century, but... <laughs> well, the thing is, is it, it, they're always so needlessly complicated, too. Mm, that, I too. Mean, I mean, in essence, if you really think about it, the most simple... The, the original super weapon and, and first Gundam were the colony laser. Uh-huh. It made the most sense. Yes. Okay, you're using a you're using a laser. You're able to move it and stuff As like that. Because the one I thought was needlessly complicated in there was the solar, solar ray system. And I, I, I was so because bring that up. what would happen if those none of those um, mirror one of those mirrors was out of out of place or oh, whatever? God. It was it was just kind of ridiculous, but. You know, it, it's still not as bad as Requiem, but it was needlessly it complicated. Too. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, it, it it had so many moving parts that yeah. it, it just didn't make like sense. Thousands as of those mirrors had to be lined up perfectly. Yeah, and, and the it, sun would have, you had to, and it would have to be in the right position of the sun. And yeah. there's too many factors when it comes to the, the solar ray. It did its job at least once or twice, but. Other well, only that, the once. Only the yeah, ones, only right? Because yeah. then when they, you can see when they tried to uh, to use it again in um, 083, it didn't quite work out so well. Yeah. yeah. It's a weapon you fire once. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's mm-hmm. like it, it, once, it, once, it's, once it's used, it loses its, um, you know, it, its kind of terror factor yeah. to an extent. The, the other one I'd have to say was that big stupid uh, gun at the beginning of uh, Space Nazis. Yeah. Uh, um, Oh, that, uh, in in igloo the um, igloo, yeah, space Nazis with uh, crazy crazy gunner guy that was like this needlessly huge gun that's gonna take out one of those Magella class, and they find out that you know a Zaku that is less much much more affordable, less the cost, less all the materials and stuff does the same thing. You're referring to the Jormun Gand. Yeah, I knew it was some oh, Norse god gosh, thing too. Yeah, Dude. that thing was stupid. <laughs> No, what was dumb is that they spent all of that money developing it for nothing. It's like it was just for show, but nobody ever even saw it. I could understand if it was being used as a decoy, but the Federation never saw it. They never did anything to it. What's the point of having a decoy that nobody sees if at the very beginning of the battle, as we see, they instantly started using the mobile suits? Mm -hmm. The whole point of the decoy is to at least start distracting attention, which it only did by the end of that episode. And the is when they're is, like, hey, what's this big stupid thing over here? Let's go destroy it. And the thing is, it got one Magella. And what, Char got what, five? Well, it didn't help that. Well, this was like the, the crazy screaming guy yeah. like firing it manually. Well, he was, you know. he was doomed to guy, doomed to die guy in, oh, yeah. in, space not, in space Nazis. And it was, you know. And remember, that's because the mobile suits were supposed to give him targeting data, yeah, but right. they didn't. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're not really going to use you. Uh, you're useless. If he had gotten the data that he wanted, he probably could have done very well with that thing because it seemed like it did what it was supposed to, but you just had, as usual, incompetent leadership. <laughs> but the thing about it, too, it was just so needlessly complicated, and the fact is you hit one, you, you, get, you get one shell off, and then it seemed like there was just this whole big thing of, changing the cartridge, recharging it. And that's always been the problem with all these super weapons. It's yeah. like, okay, you do all this destruction, but if you don't hit it on the first swipe, it's like you, you got to sit here and go an episode or two while this thing is uh, recharging. To operator, you got to look at the Wile E. Coyote blueprints. Yeah. <laughs> and hope, hope one piece of that, uh, of that uh, oh, what are those things called, Rube Goldberg? Um, type design doesn't fail on you. <laughs> and, 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 and another another thing, and this just shows you the, the stupidity of Xeon, mm-hmm. is um, the, what is it, the Apsilis? Um, yeah. The, at the end of uh, 
Eighth team. Uh, oh, eighth team. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's like this super huge mobile armor that really with has easily fun. easily spotted fuel tanks. Oh. Easily spotted fuel tanks just sits there, really can't move that well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it does some damage, but it just once again takes so long to recharge. And then you got like you know frail doom the guy, mm-hmm. evil guy with uh, his sister, and it's just like. As this is compared, so stupid. When you compare it to the Neo Zeal, it's it's such a piece of crap. <laughs> it really is, yeah. And it's Since not, we're not as bad as the Zuda. Oh, the geez. mobile suit that can't go fifty-five. That's Speaking why, that's why, nothing, that's why nothing beats a good old-fashioned colony drop. Speaking of uh, of dumb Zeon things, mm-hmm. I have to mention um, some some more dumb things. Uh, the the Zegok from oh. Apocalypse 0079. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anyone thought it would be a good idea to launch from space an underwater Zagok mobile suit <laughs> strapped to, like, a big honking rocket with tons of missiles and, and beam cannons. I have and no And use clue. that to fly over Jaburo and blast all these ships as they launch into space. Why would you, why would you do something so stupid? I, I, uh, <laughs> Aside from the fact that the pilot was doomed to die just because it's Igloo. Yeah. <laughs> It's just so ridiculous. It just makes you wonder. Um, just makes you wonder if they had Howard Hughes working for Xeon. <laughs> it's just why not? You know, you have other mobile suits that that you can. Why would you launch an underwater suit from space and use that to attack Jaburo just because it's by the water? You don't, What does that matter? Why not use something else? Because you're going to recover it in the water. That, yeah. I think. I think that was the thought, right? They launched it in space, and it, after it did what it did, it was supposed to get recovered. I in think the water. with that kind of mission, they should have known from the beginning that it was not a kind of mission you'd be coming back from. Exactly. You, you, it's it's just, unless they figured if we don't make it look like it's something that could be recovered, no one's going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just surprising the Federation didn't beat them quicker. Some of the crap that they used to do, <laughs> including uh, another dumb super weapon, the Big Rang. Oh God! Oh shoot! Yeah. It's like, okay, let's take the big row, which is like just an okay, crappy mobile armor. Mm-hmm. Let's attach a bunch of junk to it and also make it a repair facility for these dumb uh, mobile pods that we have that are completely useless. Yeah. Man. That or the, um, what was it, the Asmin? The, the one that would hop around and shoot the uh, electrical, you know. Our <laughs> thing is we're, gonna, we're just going to shoot an electrical cage on you and shock you. Oh, yeah. I guess that thing is pretty stupid too apparently apparently they wanted to capture mobile suits not not destroy them <laughs> what about um what was the suit that uh charlie a bull used or the mobile armor oh god the, the the bra bro thank oh, you god thank you that was pretty dumb <laughs> for a new type weapon i expected better low but, rent uh, elmeth yeah exactly Xeon had a lot of leftover designs on the table that they just had to get out there and test well i think i can tell you why because in in i want to nominate in this segment special nomination for Villain most obsessed with super weapons, <laughs> the one, the only Giran Zabi. Oh there you God. go. Yeah. <laughs> if there was because ev- even gets called out on this, like you know, why are you why, why do you always keep making these super weapons? For one, uh, the colony laser. Yeah. Which he had to make mm-hmm. by um, taking a colony and making all of its people homeless. Yeah. Oh my God! Given how many colonies were destroyed, you think they couldn't have just found one that was already empty, rather than piss off your own citizens who you claim to be fighting for by making millions of people leave their colony? Not the, well, it, migrate yeah. elsewhere. Well, it, it it all goes back to their own uh, their own um, 
sense of uh, justice there, where you remember how they gassed all the people in the colony. We're for fighting for space, Earth. but let's let's gas uh, space noids. Yeah, let's gas thirty million people and then drop their bodies in, within their colony on Australia. <laughs> I, I think I think Garin watched one too many Bond movies. <laughs> oh, we'll we'll get to that eventually. But another thing uh, this doesn't usually get thought of in terms of super weapons, but uh, it is in a sense. The Dolos. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's like, yeah, look at me. I've got this. I've got two of these super ginormous carriers that can carry a zillion mobile suits. But launch four at a time. But they can only launch a few at a time. <laughs> so as to completely undermine the advantage of carrying a zillion mobile suits. Yeah. So stupid. Oh, my God. <laughs> What what were you guys' thoughts on um? Because I I wasn't ever really crazy about the super weapon, but you know, it, its size was like the only thing that I guess was intimidating about it. What I'm talking about is the psycho gun, shown in both yeah. Zeta and Double Zeta. I guess Gundam. I guess the, I guess what is it? The explanation? It's so big because they couldn't get the Psycom any smaller. Yeah, right? yeah, and and especially putting it on Earth, mm -hmm. which with the gravity is yeah. a factor. <laughs> And the awesome fortress mode. <laughs> well, you know, for, for, for the Titans, you got to imagine that the intimidation factor of, you know, this big black flying fortress comes in mm -hmm. swooping out of nowhere. Then it transforms into a giant black Gundam. And you know you're in trouble. Well, the thing is, is with the Titans, that you know, they, they were the... They were going against Zeon, but they were like Zeon's little brother because uh, all, all they did was just recycle all the Zeon technology oh, they captured in the war. The high Zok. We'll, we'll take the Zaku and put like uh, the, the GM vents and stuff on it, and we'll just call it the high Zok. Well, maybe, it's really a Zaku. But maybe there's some truth to this, but maybe some of, I mean, if there's any backstory made for this, maybe some of the, the designers that worked on suits for Zeta, I mean, for, for the Zeta. Well, no, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's, the, that's the truth. That's, but the thing is, is. The, the the point being, you saw how well this stuff worked out with for Zeon. Why are you going to incorporate all this crap what into yours? Well, the thing is, I think that in concept, there's nothing wrong with the Psycho Gundam, mm -hmm. but in execution, um, don't let it be piloted by crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and they they the first they let a crazy person pilot it for, mm -hmm. then they made her even crazier and made her pilot it again. Yeah. Then they go and they make the Mark II, mm -hmm. and they put super crazy Rosamia inside of it. <laughs> Stark bananas. <laughs> Which is why, if you notice, the, the, the Mark II gets much better usage in Double Zeta yes. when, uh, when Pudu II uses it, because she's, she's not crazy. She's not nuts. <laughs> she's just a child. She's just evil. But... <laughs> and she also makes good use of uh, the Queen Mansa. Yeah, yeah very much so. <laughs> Which basically was the Psycho Gundam combined with the Cubile. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. So that 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 I think that should be rule number one: don't let crazy people pilot your super weapons. Oh my God! <laughs> Reevaluate their psychological state. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the Psycho Gundam, since this is its its brother from another mother, mm -hmm. the the Destroy Gundam. Oh God! Oh. I have to I have to nominate that for dumbest use of a potentially good weapon. Yeah. Because if you compare the two, the Destroy Gundam has a zillion more weapons than the Psycho. Yeah. But it gets used in the dumbest way, like, uh, we're angry that Europe has sided with Zap, so we're going to smash up Berlin to show you what's what. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it? Oh, who piloted that again? The oh, blonde freaking, uh, Stella. Stella. Stella, thank you. Stella! <laughs> 
Yeah. And not so, there. <laughs> what I was thinking was, even at the time, why why don't you, since it's called the Destroy Gundam, and it's so freaking huge and has so many weapons, mm-hmm. why don't you send these guys into space? Yeah. Give them Mirage Colloid to make them invisible, and then have them s- send, like, each one into a plant and just totally smash up the entire plant, because I'm sure that one of those could destroy... Oh, yeah, easily. ...a colony. Mm-hmm. Well, what makes it even worse is that's the only weapon that the more that you add to the mix, the worse they start to fight. Yeah, they the- totally get, became cannon fodder. Like, the first yeah. one gave them some trouble. That was like a two-episode spe- That was like a two-episode fight there with the first yeah. one with uh, batshit crazy Stella. And then they, they, they have, they're, they're like... Heaven's Base, they had five more. Yeah, and... Just a few episodes later... And they all got destroyed, like, in one shot or very easily. (laughs) And then when they go up to the moon to capture Requiem, there's, like, three more. They get taken out even faster. Yeah. (laughs) Made no sense. To the point that even Luna Maria using Shin's stock footage can take them out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's bad. That's pretty bad. So given that they had all of these, they had at least, what, like, nine or ten of these lying around. Why not have sent them to attack plants because there's no mobile suits that Zaft had that did not belong to their Star Gundam team that could have handled these suckers. Yeah, right. Because these guys were on Earth. Send all of these things out to the plants, destroy, like, for example, Aprilius 1, which you couldn't do with Requiem, (laughs) destroy, like, a bunch of other important plants, and it's all taken care of before the Minervas even left Earth. Well, I mean, let's let's kind of put this in in reality here. Incompetent leadership. I mean, let, let's put it in, in the first seed, uh, Heliopolis is basically destroyed by the Strike and the save uh, not the Savior, but the, the Aegis mm-hmm. and uh, Miguel blowing up. So chances <laughs> well, are... Well, it was already destroyed. heavily damaged by, by Rao shooting up the, um, that too, like yeah. the colony's like central spine. That too, but still, I mean, it, it didn't take that many suits to do that damage. So like you said... The whole and you also had Miguel with like that super duper cannon going uh, blast happy, smashing holes everywhere. <laughs> so you guys are saying if they made a Zaft's ambition game, you could you could competently just wreck wreck the uh <laughs> the alliance with uh with with your own strategies to to use these super weapons. Pretty much, full I potential. think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it looks like a child can do it. <laughs> it, it it's just the and fact they're, and they're supposed to be so smart. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I guess you can't say much about coordinators. <laughs> oh. Apple fell far. We, we, we found out that was just kind of a plot device. Yeah, freaking oh, What's his name? George. What's his name? Uh, George Glenn. George Glenn. Yeah, the, the <laughs> apple fell far from the tree with his, with his descendants. That's for sure. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the only ones that can move mobile suits by, by episode 30 of uh, Seed. It's like everybody's flying a mobile Everybody. suit. Everybody. Like they got past that handicap yeah. real quick. <laughs> it's like all you needed was an open source operating system. Yeah, you just they just it. needed Linux. Yeah, like we can't control this fancy Apple stuff. We need Linux. <laughs> Load up Red Hat. We got, we just got the patch. We got the 2.0 patch, ready to go. Man, yeah, pretty silly. Nice. So, uh, outside of Gundam, any other dumb super weapons you guys want to make mention of? Oh, I know it'd be. Too, there are plenty. It'd be too easy to like to, to name off any from like 70s super robot shows because they were meant to be. They're full of. They're f- every every week is a dumb super weapon. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, it's pretty laughable. You know some of the stuff they come up with, but it's part of the that's part of the whole uh, the whole draw to that sh- those shows. So I, 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 I those 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 get a pass. But um, other series. I'm trying to think of uh, other uh, other real robot shows that I've seen with it has pretty much dumb super weapons in them. Um, 
Shoot. I'd oh, like no. to give an honorable mention to almost every James Bond movie. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> We're looking at you, GoldenEye. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, those things. Those Dude, things Gold, are... before you even get to GoldenEye, oh, yeah, there's but... a little movie called Moonraker. Thank oh, you. My God. Yeah. And one that, that preceded that oh one, I believe, The Spy Who Loved Me, mm-hmm. with some dude in, like, some super submarine. Oh, I don't know what is it, Bond villains. They love submarines. They do. They do. I guess it makes sense to be in one if, um, if it, it's, a, it's a mobile fortress that's underwater. It's kind of hard to reach, but, yeah. They, that's they... why, you know, thank God that in Casino Royale mm-hmm. and, and Quantum of Solace, you find no submarines, None no satellite lasers, no space stations, <laughs> no sharks. No underground base. Hopefully, <laughs> no hopefully underground Bond, base. Hopefully Bond 22 keeps up that tradition now that that movie's back on. So, man. But back to anime. Yep. Um, can you think of any, Paul? Um, didn't Dunbine have one? Uh, Dunbine had a couple. Yeah, Dunbine, Dunbine had, had a bunch of, like, stupidly huge ships. Like, oh, hey, let's yeah. have these stupidly huge ships that are so awesome and don't really... <laughs> Don't really accomplish anything. Don't really accomplish anything. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, especially once they got up to um, once they got up to up, Upper Earth. It was just like ridiculous, dumb thing that it, you know of the week there. Um, Didn't Bebop have one? And it, they referenced how dumb it was. Like I know it had a laser satellite, but I mean that's not really dumb. That's that's actually something. Oh, the killer satellite. The killer satellite. They were that, just. I think they were just messed up because of. Um, uh, what was it? Space that gate was, accident. Space yeah, there was accident. AI that got became uh, self aware or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking, didn't Macross Seven have some stupid um, weapons on it too? <laughs> outside of sound or outside of not sound force, but the uh, what is it? The songbirds or what? The jamming birds. The jamming birds. Jamming I'm birds. sorry. <laughs> well, just the idea of like let's recruit some civilians and throw them out into battle in Valkyries. Let's do Macross Idol. And, and have them sing <laughs> Macross 2 songs. <laughs> it's just a perfect example of how that military surprisingly did not, did not understand that, that that music to be effective has to be like, you know, authentic. Yeah. It can't just be random people thrown together because that certainly didn't work. You know, that's not how Minmay worked. No. You know, and in Macross 2, they learn their lesson. Yeah, just just having like some holographic chick who you call Minmay, who looks something like Minmay, I'm only gonna work for so long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of Macross 2, I would nominate this uh, also for dumb use of a good super weapon. Uh, this this idiot Ingus, mm-hmm. who had a super cannon in his gigantic fortress. Right. Um, you can see throughout the series that he enforces his rule by fear. But um, blasting, like, dozens or hundreds of ships of your own people is really not the way to maintain their loyalty because they'll turn around and betray you just like they did there. Yeah. And similarly, also, for, for doing the same thing, um, Bodolzer in um, Daryl. Yeah. I don't care. Blast them. And look what happened. Britai and all these other guys turned against him, and then everyone smashed him. And the same thing with Ingus. All of the Marduk betrayed him, and uh, they smashed him. So if you have super-duper beam weapons and you want to shoot something, at least take the five minutes to tell your ships to get out of the way because it'll be worth it because they won't betray you afterwards. So that's, another, that's rule number two. What, um, what was that really stupid uh, thing in Dragonar? Um, oh, oh. God. oh, the... The, the, the samurai-looking um, yeah. size of the Psycho Gundam. Yeah, that actually got worse, too. 
as it started showing back up. <laughs> After they started giving it to, to cannon fodder guys. Yeah, it was just like, what is this all about? Because it, 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 um... it actually worked really well when they first meet it. I mean, he was pretty much owning them. Gilga Samune. Oh, God, that thing. That was the thing with the cock rockets, right? It had yes, the... with the cock rockets. <laughs> And missiles coming from the uh, nether regions of the. Uh... Yes, it did. It was very, very dirty. And and uh, even to a point, the um, the mass drivers they had, they they started getting a little weird um, towards the uh, towards the end of that show, up until when they kind of destroyed them. Because at first it worked out pretty well because they'd shoot these rocks from the moon to the earth, and it's like you know what's more terror terrorizing than that? But then. Uh, it just started getting a little crazy, and then they're able to to knock it out, no problem. And that's what always makes me laugh is with these super weapons. It's like as needlessly complicated they are, it takes one simple little thing to completely knock them out of commission. Man, that would um, that would uh, I guess uh, allow. Well, no, that reminds me of a, a super weapon that we saw in uh, one of your favorite animes of all time, Robotech: The Shadow Chronicles. Oh, I, would, I would say super technology, the uh, shadow technology. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, the, the, the intel the, inside of the, the robot universe, the big Trojan the, horse inside. The there big reveal to these people: Wow, yeah. we got this technology that we really didn't know about that's so far advanced. It's so surprising that it would turn on us. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what? What are you talking? What, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> Speaking of uh, dump super weapons, um, do we? Qu- do we want to qualify Metal Gears as dumb super weapons? The way they're used, yeah. The way yeah. they're used, yes. Yeah. They always seem to turn on the, uh, the 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 people that make them, or uh, they get used for the wrong purpose. <laughs> and um, yeah. well, th- even before that, the fact that they get taken down by by a man, one, by one guy on foot <laughs> with a bazooka until he has to use it in part four. Yes, he made the most use out of a Metal Gear ever yeah. in that game. It, it was like wow, no it's about time. <laughs> About time. It, it took the man who's taken down so many to show the potential of that damn suit. And it's like it's, it, 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 it's almost like a homecoming for Snake. It's like you were born to do this, dude. You were born to do this shit. <laughs> yeah, and believe me, I love Snake Eater, mm-hmm. and I could understand the sort of pseudo Metal Gear they had in there, Shagohod, which basically was just like a giant rolling tank mm-hmm. that didn't transform into a robot. But in Portable Ops and Peace Walker, the two PSP games that are set in the 70s, yep. where did they get these uber-advanced Metal Gears from? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the Cold War, nothing like that ever came out of the Cold War. So, I mean, where are you getting robotics like that off the, you know, just, just off the cuff? Oh, I got it. I that got look it. way more advanced than the Metal Gears you see from the first two mm-hmm. Metal Gear games you know, that I'll were give, made in the 80s. I'll give Kojima this. He's a big Bond fan, fan and he enjoys Bond films, and there, there's always been technology shown in the Bond films that's always been way ahead of, uh, you know, our current technology. But still, it's quite the stretch. Yeah, and his love of that shows in Snake Eater with yeah. the, um, the very cheesy, like, 60s-style, like, opening <laughs> song, Snake Eater. And the dialogue where they talk about the Bond movies, you know, right, out, right, out, right off the bat um, in, the, in, the, in, in the game. But they actually talk more so about the Bond books, because I don't think that were... During the time the Snake Eater took place, there wasn't that many movies, but yeah. there were the books by Ian Fleming, so they, they talk about those you know, verbatim in, in the game. So you can definitely see that uh, it was a big influence, but you know, and not only in a good way, but a bad way, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, um, Metal Gear Solid 2 mm-hmm. is oh. full, of, full of dumb super weapons. Yeah. Oh, Ray. First, you've got Metal Gear Ray, which is 
you know, a pretty neat concept, very, very, uh, like, fast-moving, more humanoid-style Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. But, again, you have, like, nine of them attacking Raiden, and he takes them down with, like, a bazooka. Right. Yeah, it makes no sense. Jeez, man. <laughs> then you have um, Arsenal Gear, this, like, gigantic, stupid ship that does nothing. God dang. And just crashes into New York. Yeah. Just to wreck the place. <laughs> yeah. Oops. And then just so that you could you could have like a uh, a fighting ground to fight Doctor Octopus. Oh, I mean Solidus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about um? You know this 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 might be a controversial topic, but um, being that the the unintended people, uh, I guess, uh, took a hold of it. What do you guys think of a day on? I mean, it, in the end, was it a, a stupid weapon to have? Because I mean, it's it's no, because it actually worked. <laughs> it worked. It but worked too well. And it well, the thing the <laughs> thing is about the a day on uh-huh. when it would do that, it didn't get knocked out by something stupid. Yeah, it just it was all powerful, and it was they just, they just didn't know what they were using. Yeah, they they didn't comprehend the power it's like they were using. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Well, look about um, if we're going to do outside of anime, too, and this might be near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, oh. too, is uh, the Death Star. <laughs> you, you have, okay, the Death Star in the first one, it destroys, what is it, Alderaan or whatever? Yeah. Well, and then, and then they're fighting, uh, you know, they're, they're fighting everybody, but mm-hmm. all it all it's can be used against is planets, especially like in Return of the Jedi. And you have all these big, huge armada ships for the Rebels, Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you just fire the laser at them? That would make sense. That would make sense. <laughs> or, gonna... you know, fire it at, uh, at Endor just to, to kill all of the Ewoks and <laughs> put, a, put them out of our misery. Well, they had the shield station on there, so that's why they wouldn't fire it. But still, it just it made, it made absolutely well, no sense. How dumb is that also that the shield station for your giant fortress is, on the other is completely removed from your fortress and is on a planet where it can be attacked by uh, space teddy bears. Exactly. And, and, and again, even in the first Star Wars, it's like you have this big menacing weapon that one little fighter can get in there, and if they hit, the, if they hit it right, they could blow the whole thing up. It's like, Hey, really? ma- many, many Bothans died to bring in that information. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. How so that makes it okay. <laughs> I mean, really. It just, oh. The Death Star never reached its full potential, ever. <laughs> Could have oh. been, it could have been a menacing figure, but uh, it, it turned out to be the, the biggest joke super weapon there, there probably is. Because be the super weapon, the super weapons can never protect themselves. Yeah, they they, 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 they always weakness. need they always need something else to protect them. They're too big for their own good, yeah. and, and that protection is always inadequate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's they never plan. It's always like, oh, I got my great big laser, and even, I'm going to use it. Even you, oh crap! They've gotten through the lines. <laughs> Now, if we're talking about dumb super weapons and robots, mm. it would be criminal if we didn't mention Dr. Wily. <laughs> well, he's made a career of that shit, so, you know. That is his career. <laughs> that is true. He has made a career. He, he even gets the joke at this point because he, he lampoons himself in Mega Man 9 when he, when he tries to make himself out to be the good guy. You know, after, after eight, eight, eight different But he did that before. Every few games, he's like, oh, I have reformed. I am a good guy now. Oh, no, these robots are attacking. And then it's like you beat the eight robots. Yeah. It's like, oh, it was really me. Mega Man <laughs> Come 5. to my castle. Mm-hmm. Mega, Mega Man 5. 3. Yep. Mega Man. Uh, uh, with Dr. Cossack. Um, was, yeah. No, that was 4. Oh, that was 4? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Look, look at me. I, I, I thought I was a Capcom file. I failed right there. But, uh, <laughs> Mega Man 10. Uh, he's, he's acting like a good guy until Again? the... Uh, 
the the robo fluenza virus comes and infects all of the robots. <laughs> who started the strain? I wonder who. It's like, oh, I'll help you out, Mega Man, and then you be- beat the eight robots, and it's like, oh, it's it was Doctor Wily. He was evil. Who it's would like, have known? It's like, man, Doctor Light, you may be you know how to make like awesome. Mm-hmm. Robots like Mega Man and X, but you're a chump. <laughs> what about Mega Man 2? He tried to make it look like an alien was behind all that. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's the, the sub-boss you fight before you actually fight Dr. Wily when you find out that alien is just yeah. a hologram. It's like, oh, okay, there you go. Or in 10, you have to fight. Wily attacks you at the same time as like a Robo-Wily. And if you hit the Robo-Wily, like, it'll hit you with a super attack. Right. But the Robo-Wily has like miscolored skin. So it's very obvious to know not to hit that one. Yeah. And I gotta wonder, like, where does this guy get the money to keep building, like, these eight robot masters who have these (laughs) elaborate, like, domains? And where does he keep getting all of the money to build these castles or sometimes space stations? The same. Mm -hmm. In part 10, it's hilarious. This is one of the funniest things in that game when um, you go through Wily's castle and then it's not the end because he has a space station and oh, it's man. linked by a space elevator. And you know how like on when you're on the Wily castle screen, like it shows your little progress like from the bottom, mm-hmm. tracing your way up to the top of the skull? Right. Well, when you get past the, the castle and you have to go up to the space station, like the progress... The little line keeps shooting up and 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 it just keeps going and going and going and going and going and going mm-hmm. until finally it <laughs> hits space and you hit the, the Wily base station. Nice. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Completely out of sight. <laughs> it is so ridiculous. I mean, really, how hard if he can build so many super weapons, why mm-hmm. could he even built a robot that turned on him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, base, base, base turned on him, and um, Proto Man is uh, was was doing his bidding, but and he um, turned on him too. He freaking is like it, the only the good robots he builds actually have the sense to freaking defect. <laughs> Everybody else can't help but be his uh, his uh, I guess his his willing servant, including yeah. uh, old Cutman. The the Cutman is the uh, the the Dan of the Mega Man universe. <laughs> so I have a suggestion for Doctor Wily for for Mega Man Eleven. What's up? Uh, if you can't blow up, if you can't kill Mega Man, mm-hmm. and you really just want to get him, mm-hmm. my suggestion is build a space station, you know, another one of your Wily space stations, <laughs> equip it with a super giant cannon, and just blow up Earth. There you go. Because in the process, you'll blow up Mega Man. Yeah. It... Or he'll just be left floating around in space in pieces, and then you just chill on your space station with all of your robot masters hanging out, drinking, doing whatever. End of, end of series. There won't be any worlds. It'll just be you chilling. <laughs> no stages to blow. No, no stages for Mega Man to go through because <laughs> he'll be done for. But um, yeah, man. I, I, as for uh, Wiley's funding, man, he, he gets uh, he gets his loans from the International Bank of Evil. Gets it from the same. Off. He gets it from this. He gets the same funding that Cobra gets. And and, and, and from uh, and Spectre. Inspector. Yeah. <laughs> It's like really super oh, villain trust fund. He's got to like, have you got to have a good pres- um, presentation though. That's it. That's that's key. <laughs> <laughs> and Wally Coyote too. Him too. Super genius. <laughs> oh my god. But man, I, I think uh, I think we run the gamut. I'm sure there's glaring ones we're um, we're we're leaving out like um. Oh, the I'm whole, sure. The whole will tell us in the comments. Oh my god. The whole seventies is uh, probably. Uh, not to mention from like American cartoons like G.I. Joe and whatnot, but it's just too many to name, and I think that falls in the same category as Super Robots when it comes to just foolhardy um, super weapons too. But 
So. Well, with that, I think we'll uh, wrap things up. You've been listening to Gundam at MAHQ. We'll be right back. Teammates, it was an honor to be on the court with you. You guys are the best. Even you, Vakaitis. Damn dumb son of a bitch. You don't understand a word I'm saying, do you? Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast. AAAPodcast.com Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Pocky wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. Man walks down the street in that hat, people know he's not afraid of anything. Goddamn straight. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. We closed out episode 69 where we talked about, um, <laughs> we gave a review of the new Marvel anime, the first of uh, four series, I believe. And this one, uh, uh, although we won't be reviewing them all, I'm sure, but uh, we talked about Iron Man, the anime adaptation from uh, Madhouse and Marvel. And then we um, ventured into dumb super weapons where we talked about our favorite um, super weapons that weren't as effective as um as as initially advertised weren't as super as they were supposed to be <laughs> not so super sub super but um I, I know chris has got some um something major that he would like to uh get into before we close out the episode chris you take the mic well as you've noticed from uh following on on mecha talk but also from the announcement last episode we're rolling out new podcasts and the first episode of chaos theater has hit the internets so please uh check it out you can find download links in the chaos theater sub forum on mechatalk and uh, you can check us out on twitter at twitter.com slash ctcast so please uh give us a listen and um 
speaking of Twitter, I believe that Solbro has some news regarding that as well. Oh, yes, we do. Um, uh, we just started up a uh, official Twitter feed for uh, Gundam at MAHQ. Uh, About anybody- time. Yeah, it's been a while. I was inspired by uh, Chaos Theater's uh, Twitter feed. So it was like, hey, you know what? We um, didn't have one? Uh, we didn't have one beforehand. We either did it through <laughs> MechaTalk, uh, uh, MechaTalks, uh, which is M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T at, uh, on Twitter. But um, And, and my, my Twitter feed also, I would, I would post up information. It's like, why, why not have an official one for Gundam also? So uh, we finally do. And it is literally Gundam at, and that's A-T, literally, and then um, M-A-H-Q. And you just have to find that on Twitter, and that's all one word, and uh, that's our our feed. And feel free to follow it. And, and and thanks for those who already have, and those who will. No exclamation marks. No, no exclamation marks whatsoever. Just oh, uh, I, I have a, I have an announcement too. Oh, go for um, it. And this is all to all listeners. So we've added a new sponsor to yeah. uh, Gundam, mm-hmm. and uh, this is actually uh, Champ Sports. The uh, Sporting goods store, which um, you don't really have to be a sporting person to buy stuff from there because they have things like shoes and stuff. So uh, definitely uh, everybody needs stuff on their feet because yep. uh, no shoes, no shirt, no service. <laughs> so, uh, you know, definitely check that out. There's going to be some good deals on there. Go to Gundam.net to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you love if you love Gundam, you guys need to uh, start supporting us even more so than you have before because uh, each little bit of this will help us to reinvest into the show to give you more dynamic and wonderful entertainment for you. So, well, well. Um, you know, definitely check that out and, um, you know, support everybody and thank you for your support, those that are doing it. So, and don't forget, we still have GoDaddy and Petco. So get some shoes, get some pet food and start up um, I Hate Iron Man, the anime thread. Nice. Or website. Website. So, there you go. <laughs> But um, also, I would like to extend um, a, a many thanks to uh, one of our listeners and fellow podcaster, Dalo Relance. He um, he's the one who is the architect of the latest special that's up for uh, Gundam, the uh, special episode twelve, which is Gundam. The architect to see the Carl Rove of Gundam. The Carl Rove of Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> if we if if he was, we'd probably be doing a lot better financially. <laughs> If only, but Dalo Dalo put his heart and soul and and literally his heart and soul on like these other um, uh, what's it uh these uh nostalgia glasses guys have like to quote um Dalo really put a lot of work into the special, and um I'd like to extend a lot of thanks to him and and thank and and, and all the work he's uh he put into it and everybody uh, check that out it's already available for down download on our uh at Gun, our our feed for Gundam whether you listen to it on iTunes or whatnot. Um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder in three years will people have nostalgia glasses or Gundam? It's like the, the, these current episodes just don't have the heart and soul that the old ones did. God, I'm gonna go listen to one of Dolo's They're just specials. Shameless shills for Bandai and stuff. It's like, really? He was he was also the guy. Who, he was also the cat that actually did our first special um, retrospective for years one and two, and he put a lot of work into that also. So check both of those out and go to his website, which is. Um, solarradiowave.blogspot.com and uh, check out his podcast that he also works on uh, there's a many of them and he's got uh, projects coming up in the future but um, also check out these websites mahq.net of course the mecha and anime headquarters gundam.net for um, episode info liner notes and links to our social networking sites um, you can find us on iTunes and of course um, reach us by email by sending us messages to gundammahq at gmail.com and um, any last words, um, anybody? Uh, everyone, any last words, guys? Any at all? 
No. No. Well, all right. That brings us to the end of episode 69 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Memories are very precious to people's lives. They give us the opportunity to prove to ourselves that we exist. And if we lose them, we have an unrelenting feeling of uncertainty. You must listen to me. The humans that are living here and now in the present are made up of more than their memories of the past. I myself don't even know who I am. I don't have a single solitary memory about myself. But I don't believe anyone took them from me. I most likely erased them of my own free will. I was the one who made that choice. I made it for myself, so I can live in the present and in the future. Because I must go on believing there is a me. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production. Dickie's a junk bag. Hey. He's a junk bag. Why am I the problem? I'm his blood. I'm his family. I'm the one fighting, okay? Not you, not you, and not you. Not you, 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 and not you. 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 Me? Not you. Me? Not you. I'm Gordon Bombay. And not you. Hey, you. Not you. Hey, who? Not you. Who, who? Who, me? Who, ha? who? And not you. Me? Not you. Not you. If it's anybody, it's me. Not you. And not you. You talking to me? Not you. You talking to me? Not you. Then who the hell else are you talking to? Talking to me? Not you. Okay. I want my family. What's wrong with that? Hi, I'm Donnie Wahlberg. Not you.